Blank check with Griffin and David Blank check with Griffin and David Don't know what to say or to expect All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check This is for all you new people I have only one rule Everybody fights, no one quits If you don't do your job, I'll kill you myself Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Rico's podcast. Rico's podcast. Hello, ladies and bugs. I am Griffin Newman. Oh, I'm David Sims. It's a blank check with Griffin and David or hashtag the two friends. It's a competitive advantage. It's a thing other podcasts don't have going for them. And we promised ourselves, us two friends, that no matter what happened, we'd be two friends forever. Wherever we end up in this galaxy, in this bug war, we'll mm. be friends forever. Even if we're on Clendethow? True. This is a podcast. Interesting reply. True. True. This is a podcast about filmographies. Directors. Would you like to know more? Yes. Yes, I would because I'm a connoisseur of context. Click yes. Think. It's a podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to do whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes the checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. There would you like is. to know more? Yeah. Click yes. They're doing their part. Are you? Are you? Listening guarantees citizenship. This is a... Griffin's not happy with me. I'm so happy. David's the one. He's been furious. He's been throwing tables since we got here. Yeah, I need to get into that in a second. (laughs) You can't really throw these tables. I could angrily, like, raise it and lower it. You brought your own little table in. They raised? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is our new fancy studio. You got... (laughs) I think you got the controls. Yeah, there you go. Damn, we're going up. We got the high ground no, now. We're David. going down. Oh, you got the high ground now. <laughs> Are you listening at home? The table is slightly raising and slightly lowering. Yeah, difference of an inch in either direction. Uh, <laughs> this is a mini series about the films of Paul Verhoeven and Hollywood, mm. and we've gotten to that point. We've crossed that threshold. The titular, the namesake <laughs> for our mini series, the inspiration. This, of course, is Podship Casters, and we're today talking about Starship Troopers. Uh, yes, my favorite Paul Verhoeven movie. Not to spoil my end of series wow. list. Yeah. Baby. But this is the one for me. It's a very boy pick, I'll admit. But uh, yeah. I love this movie. Uh, you are a boy. It is a fact. Fact. I feel like we need to get our energy up. Should I be mean again? You were very mean. Let's get this out there. Our guest has already talked on mic. Yep. He's- yeah, I've been holding back because so I haven't had the intro yet. Hold him back. But I got a lot to say. He's a great friend of the podcast, of myself. True. Of me? A, a listener favorite. I consider you a great friend. I consider you a great friend okay, until he's... there was this beef between us. Well, that's what oh. we need to talk about. I didn't want to put words in mouth. <laughs> uh, words in mouth. Yes. Uh, you know I'm from the Chris Gathard show, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Uh, cop show. True. True. Um, true. Fact. Would you like to know more? Yes. Such as his name? Well, but first of all, what people know him best from. Oh, of course. His episodes such as Digital Filmmaking from Attack of the Podcast. Bing. Classic. Speed Racer. Bing. War of the Worlds. Bing. There's one other one, right? No, I believe that's the three. No, really? that's it. Yeah. This is his fourth appearance. Fourth time's the charm. And I'm I'm coming at you, Emily Yoshida. I'm coming at you. Richard Lawson. Richard Lawson. That's yeah, the those, only are the, those are the big yeah. shots. Those are the heavy hitters. No one else has done more than two, right? Uh, I'd have to think. I mean, Connor. I mean, 
Depends on how you think about Connor. Connor was only on one episode. George Lucas was on five episodes, though. <laughs> and, you know, if you count the live appearances, then mm. the black men in Kent jump in Hollywood. Uh, Bray all and, of and them James. Have, no, all of them have now done three. Because they all did individual episodes with us, they were, and they've appeared as a group twice. No, because Gerard didn't do the live show. Oh, that's it right. It was only James and, uh, and uh, Bray. Okay, fine. All right. Well, two out of the three, then. Well, this is such a great way to hook listeners in. Ladies and gentlemen, J.D. Amato is on the show today. I'm J.D. Amato, and I love movies. I love movies. See, J.D.'s coming in with what this real catchphrase. positive energy. Uh, Blanky's out there. <laughs> After listening, what I want you to do, put those headphones on, act like you're on a phone call, and I want you to say out loud, wherever you are, I love movies. Now, don't shout it. That's embarrassing. No, yeah. Say it at a normal tone so people might think you're on a phone call. And if you're a fellow blankie out there uh-huh. who sees that, ha- you hear someone else say, uh, I love movies, come up and you go, blanket, and they put out your hand and they go, thank it, and then smack their hand, like high five. Cool. So that's, uh, that's how you guys are going to sort of say hello in the wild. Blanket, thank it. And blanket, then thank slap. it. Thank it. <laughs> click, click. He's doing kind of like a... Like a little you know, sideways, sideways. Yeah. 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 It's a high sideways five. high five. Yeah. I love movies. Guys, I love movies. Before I watch a movie, I say out loud, I love movies. Thank you. That's and it. at the end of the movies, yeah. I say thank you. So you say it twice? Thank you twice? Yeah. Okay. I say thank you for it coming and thank you for it going. And then you take the disc out of your player and you go blanket, thank it, and you slap it across the room. Yep. And if you've ever been in my apartment, it's just a sea of DVDs <laughs> and Blu-rays that are scratched Crack and broken. Discs. So I just wanted to get into this and just say that We've been at the studio for about an hour now. Uh, I, uh, you have been here the longest of the three because you were here when I arrived. Yes. Well, you uh, got here with producer Ben. Right, because ben producer Ben and I got coffee ahead of time. And, what's that? Mr. Positive. He's doing the yep. voices. Tiebreaker, finest film critic, soaking wet Benny, white hot Benny, dirt bike Benny. Fuck master. He's not Professor Crispy. He is the meat lover. He is the fart detective. He's graduated certain titles over the course of different miniseries such as Kylo Ben. Producer Ben Kenobi, Ben Knight Shyamalan, Say Benny Thing, uh, Ailey Benz with a dollar sign, mm-hmm. Ben Sate, Bor yeah. Haas, <clears throat> Perduer Bane, and yeah. Ben 19, the Fennel Maker. Yes. I think, I think I got Ben Deucer in there back in the day. You yeah. did. That sounds right. Oh, and the other one you got in was Pro Doer. Right. Because that was the typo on TCGS where you said it wasn't a typo. I was saying you were a Pro Doer. Right. Yep. Those are Thank great you. titles. Those are great titles. They are. Man. I like yeah. Ben Deucer, and I like Pro Doer. I don't know if I'm a fan of the fart detective and <laughs> uh, the meat lover, but hey. Whatever. Whenever Griffin does that, it reminds me that you are an actor that can memorize things, and you yeah. have like a memory palace in your head for all those names, because I don't know how you can remember all of those. I, there's some I job. forget sometimes, but yes, it, it, it is my job. That's always the thing that people, when we have guests on the show, first time guests, they always go, oh, I always assumed you were reading that off of the list. No. I, I I have to remember things. That's why they pay me. Griff City does it off the bone. <laughs> okay, let's get into what happens here. Okay, so I was here. The great before, fight. Hashtag the great fight. <laughs> I was here before anybody. David walks in, clearly stressed out. Yeah. Give him a big hug. Yeah. He sits down, flips up his computer. I had a little work to do. Declares that he has to do some work. I had to. Which is fine. Just a second of work. And what else does he flip out? A sandwich from Pratt. Yeah, big this old sandwich. Right, so this is what we really have to talk about. This is what we really have to talk <laughs> let's put, about. Let's put a bookmark on that. We'll get to the sandwich in a second. Yeah. So then, Ben and I are like has, having this like whispering we're conversation. Chatting. You were we were just chatting. It's nice. 
David keeps asking questions. And then when I answer, literally says, shut up, I have to work. Shut and up, I have I'm, to work, I have to work. I'm responding to questions that he is asking. To the <laughs> point that I physically relocated myself next to Ben so that David would stop asking questions and then telling me to shut up. It was insane. I'm real fun. I'm was, a real fun guy. And then Griffin was texting saying, I'll be 15 minutes. Yeah. And then David yeah, Griffin explained. sent the classic running 15 minutes late text, which means Griffin's rolling in half an hour late. Well, but here's the thing I need to reveal now. David texted me and said, hey, Griff, can you be 45 minutes late? And I said, I would never do that to my best friend, Jay Diamato. And he said, I got this fucking sandwich to eat. I got this piece to file. This guy won't get off my fucking back. He has the gall to answer questions I ask him. Give me 45 minutes of wiggle room. And if I could paint a picture of everybody. And I said, make it 30 and it's a deal. So David is like, it was, it was the great compromise. The great compromise. The great compromise. Yes. David is clamoring away at, at the keyboard. Click, 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 with click, click, stress click. on his face. He finishes it and then immediately no, unwraps. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Unwraps and devours a sandwich. Yeah. Really good sandwich, gotta say. But he, but he eats it like Conehead style, where it's like he just shoves it into his throat. <laughs> and I think the first non stressed work David thing that happened was he went, that was actually a good sandwich. Good sandwich. David's a connoisseur of sandwiches. I, I actually am. <laughs> I gotta yeah. be honest. I'm yes, not being facetious here. No, you I, love I, sandwiches. I, it is. If I was a connoisseur of anything, I guess, sandwiches is a top five thing. And I, you seem surprised by this sandwich because it was sort of a pre-prepared, you know, on-the-rack, take-and-go. It was go. a pret sandwich. Pret sandwiches are usually, it's like, well, you know, it's fine. I am nourished now. You know, it's sort of the most you can hope for usually. But you crack the code. That's the one I always get, which is the chicken Caesar with bacon. Yeah. On a baguette. A There's something baguette. about their bacon, the weird little dry strips of like extremely frighteningly red bacon. Yeah. That like it t- doesn't taste exactly like other bacon, but it, it does taste great. Well, it's like Taco Bell. Like if I want Mexican food, I don't go to Taco Bell. But when right. I want Taco Bell, I go to Taco Bell because Taco Bell tastes great. Sure. It's not Mexican food. It's sure. whatever it is. Yeah, and this sandwich broke David from the spell. Yeah, because you did. You were in a mood, and now it's the bright, joyous, happy Aww. friend David. Except that he I... said, "Shut up again!" Right before we started. <laughs> that listening. was a joke. It was not funny, David. No comedy points. I'm JD Amato, and I love movies. <laughs> I'm Griffin Newman, and I love movies. I'm David Sims, and I love movies. And I'm I'm Ben Hosley, and I think movies are fun. <laughs> okay, and I'm pointing it at JD right now. Blanket. Thank it. <laughs> So you now that, that crisp slap. Now that no one's listening. Yeah, this is the last for you guys. <laughs> Listen, when you see my name pop up, you know we're we're getting into you it. You smash we're, that download go button. You got smash that download button. We got two pages of He's got cleanly two, written notes. Two pages of A4, but it's the A4 has been flipped or no? What's happening yeah, I here? I do uh Listen, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> I work in the industry, and you so do? all of my, everything I do is widescreen. Sure, sure, yes. So my paper is in a widescreen aspect These ratio. are letterbox notes. Yes. Yeah, not letterbox notes. Yeah. Right. These notes have been letterboxed for, they've been modified to. I write my notes in 185. Yes. I was about to beat me yes. to that joke. Uh, yeah. Um, so so we, with our, with our favorite guests, we try to have a policy of, of not having anyone on two miniseries in a row because we like to build anticipation, variety, and all of that. Mm. And both Richard and Emily had done Bigelow episodes. Right. And you came to me and you were like, you know, I, I didn't get the call. And I said to you, it's well, because... Well, because it, it's also been a long time since... It's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. It's been a while. Yes. It's been a while and... The song. Dave was doing the song. Yeah. Right. 
And so you were no kind of like, before. Just, I was like, we, let's get on the, let's, let's get it going. And I said, look, the reason I didn't even ask you for a Bigelow. Sure. So you knew what was coming. Because we had already decided. And I said, I know what you're going to want to do. And I told you Verhoeven and you got so excited. We were at the Union Square train station. Yep. You started yelling shit about how you were going to beat Emily and Richard. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> this is hostile. I want us all to be friends in the blank like Those universe. idiots, they took a Bigelow. They didn't <laughs> know what they were turning down. Yeah. Those, <laughs> well, those, those jerks. I mean, <laughs> they fell for hook, line, and center. They're, they're no, talking no, about the loveless. <laughs> no, no spoilers, but I mean, Richard and Emily have good shit coming in the future. Because, I mean, they are the ones we think about in advance. These three. Those yes, three. Yes, right, that's what I'm saying. Right, right. Yeah. Everyone has good stuff lined up. I'm saying, like, some people were sort of like, oh, maybe we should talk to them about doing an episode sometime. Right. Richard, Emily, and JD were like, oh, we're doing this director? You know, like, Take Richard would be right. good for it. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. 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 But this was, I did you a kindness. I said, I'm not even going to have the Bigelow conversation with you because I want to let you be I, the one of our fan favorite regulars who gets a Verhoeven. Listen, I don't have much to talk about the Hurt Locker. I don't, the K-19, the Widowmaker, listen, don't have much to say about it. We're talking Fair about enough. Paul Verhoeven Paul over Verhoeven here. Verhoeven. Over Paul V. We're talking about Starship Troopers. We're talking mm-hmm. a film on the precipice between practical and digital effects. Oh, yes. We're talking about a film that's had the greatest turnaround and critical response. It's true. Yeah, honestly. Perhaps in the history of film. Very possibly. Well, yeah. It's possible. Think about another, what's another movie that critics hand as much, and then we're like, uh, actually, Verhoeven maybe nailed it. Well, you know, it's like you always read, like, Vertigo was poorly received. You know, you mm. know there's always those sort of classic, uh, like, right. tales sure. of, like, oh, Vertigo got bad reviews when it came out. Now, everyone yeah. agrees, like, you know, consensus, like, one of the great films. But I wasn't there. I don't know what kind of reviews Vertigo got. I was there for Starship Troopers. I also, right. what I think is interesting about the Starship Troopers turnaround is something like Vertigo where it's like, oh, it's like an effective Hitchcock thriller and then people realized it's high art, but it was always kind of like a populist favorite. Starship Troopers was like viewed as a failed populist movie. Right. People were like, that's yeah, an right. action movie for people with bad taste. Right. Who don't like good movies. And right. then it became like, wait a second, it's high art. I would also like to point out, you are listening to a podcast right now. Mm where we are making equivalencies between Vertigo and Starship Troopers. 100%. We love movies here. We love movies here. Blanket. Thank it. Sort of far from each other, but uh, we gave it a shot. It's more of a traditional high five. We didn't really get that. It's kind of a diagonal high five, like sort of like made an X with our hands. Uh, I'd stand behind that until the end of time, though. Ben's like so uninterested. Wait, Ben's already shaking his head, putting his hand in. (laughs) He looks tired. No, it's fine. It's just I we're like almost fifteen minutes in. And we've, and we're We've said the title of the movie. We've What's said the title of the movie of once, so okay. You're right. No, what you're are you right. complaining about? Hands up. Hands up. You're right. Ben, okay. I do think there is a lot to talk about. When you bring me on a podcast, you know what you've signed up for. That's true. Well, Jesus, remember the fucking War of the Worlds podcast where <laughs> oh, we yeah. like we went down some rabbit hole. I can't even yeah. remember what it was about. And then, like the you know, the we recording had gone right. wrong, and right. we had to stop. What it, what was that? It? That it was, was, a, it was that was a serious was, crisis. We it averted. was the career of McG. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. We did. Oh, God. We did like forty five minutes. It of wasn't the career that of long. It was like, but we had been. I think we've been talking for a good ten minutes about it, and yeah. we were so deep. We were yes. way too deep, and there were all these like semantic arguments happening over like the exact arc of McG's sort of rise and fall. <laughs> 
And that was Ben was sick. There's ben a thing was where sick. almost oh, every yeah. time you've been on the show, Ben has been sick for that. Well, that's true. Oh, that was and we I forced the the stint, intern and then you right. had to re-record the Yeah. Ben was fully out of the office that day. There was an intern mixing it for us. Also, are you guys aware that the podcast was actually longer? Because after the fact, do you even know about this? Yes, I know about this. That you recorded a new segment which Ben placed in. Yes. Yes. Do you know it? Do you know about this? I'm, remind me. I've listened there is to the a, episode. There is a sub podcast in your podcast that was me <laughs> reflecting. Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course. Because you guys, yeah. I felt like you peer pressured me into being negative. And they really did. You. No, they really. Did. And if you listen to it, it is insane. Yeah, it's like just say it, JD. You're like, <laughs> all right, okay. The extent to which you <laughs> oh jumped. I'd say it was less peer pressure, more just an assumption. <laughs> All right, guys, we are now discussing tangents. We are on a tangent about prior tangents oh that we've had on this so podcast. Sorry, listeners. So I'm going to pull us out of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm JD Amato and I love tangents. Can I, can, I just, can I just tell one story about JD and podcasting? Uh, okay. Is it a short story? <laughs> it's short. <laughs> I genuinely was like, I don't, I, I should say no to it. It was almost a no. It was almost a because, hard you know, no. I listened back to our yeah. episodes. Yes. And I listened back to them again. Like I listen to our podcasts all the time. Yeah. And it's sometimes I shock myself when I'm listening back where you're like, can I just say one thing? And I'm like, David, why, why do you say yes? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. You know? And I'm like, why do I even, anyway, go on. You're the lead character in a horror movie. Also, I'm, I'm going to give you table of contents. Yeah. We're going to get into talking about the practical effects of this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into the technical stuff. All I want to talk technical stuff about well, this movie. Let's, let's talk lenses. Talk about. Yeah. We'll talk about lenses. Ben will tell you. I was looking up specs on the film stock for Hell's this film. Yeah. Yep. Ahead of the, ahead of, we're going to get into all that. Great. Sure. But first, Grimman's got attention. But first, yeah, well, what's, what's the JD story? What is this? So Talking TCGS, which is the podcast oh, Riley Saul and I did. Wow. This is a very quick story. This <laughs> is a quick <laughs> story. Uh-huh. This oh, is where we all met. Yes. This sure. Was, ben, yeah. That's how I met Ben, and you were a guest host on that that's show. We were that's true. how I met Ben you. had long right. hair. Yeah. David A. Plus Sims. And wore a lot more tie-dye shirts. And had just gone through a breakup. Oh, yeah. You were in a... I was you in were a place. In this, you were in a... Something I could kindly describe as a broom closet. I mean, yes. you know, I've seen bigger broom closets. But this was, Ben came onto that show maybe oh, around episode yeah, 20. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had producer Evan at first. And the first episode we did, and it was, you guys at TCGS were making the pilot for Comedy Central. So you knew you were right. going to go off Eminem for a little while. And we had this idea to do a podcast to keep fans engaged on a weekly basis. Sure. No one knew if anyone would listen to it. Riley and I record this episode where, where Geth is the guest. And within 12 hours, we had 20,000 downloads. Right. It was this insane. Wait, are you telling a JD story? Yes. You're just recapping the TCGS. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm telling. So, All right. Hey, <gasps> Connoisseurs of Contact. Yes. No. <laughs> that first episode had like. He's on our side now. We got him. <laughs> when we were at your dad's NYU class, you recounted the history of talking TCGS. No, but to I'm them. about to tell a, uh-huh. an anecdote you don't know. Okay. That first episode had like 40,000 plus <laughs> listeners, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We were like You've number 18 on the iTunes yeah, comedy yeah, charts. Yeah, it was yeah. really bizarre. And then I said, JD, oh, Ben's telling me to stretch for time. Okay. <laughs> we asked JD, hey, you're the logical person to have on as a guest for episode two. And JD said, I'll do it. One demand. It has to be longer. I thought the first episode was too I remember short. that. You discussed it on the podcast. Yes. On your obsession with extremely long podcasts. I think podcasts need to be long. People are listening to this because they want, they want to hear us talking. And now there's people listening right now that are furious. And they're like, no, get to the movie. Why are you doing <laughs> yes, this? Yes, there are. Which we're going to do that. 
I'm, we're getting okay. there. So I love movies. But what's your blanket? <laughs> so, so JD said I'll do episode two. Why am I getting so mad? I'll do episode two as long as it's really long. And so we did like a two and a half. It hour was very episode long. I we remember. released as two parts. You broke it was it up. split up. Yeah. And that episode did eight thousand. Yeah, right. We lost like seventy five percent, and we never recovered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, the first episode, Chris Gethard was your guest. That yeah. was probably always going to be your biggest draw. Hey, hey, but, uh, hey. I mean, no offense to JD. I think you'd agree. What? That I'm not as big of a draw as, a, as the a, star of the show you direct? Whose whole career is being a draw. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, that is, that's sharp. That's like Hulk 2003 yes. levels yes. of second week drop off. It was, it was, it was, yeah. We, we kind of, we strange magic that yeah. shit. Listen. If I can be the strange manager of your podcast, I'm hey, all about it. Hey. Um, but now, now you're a caravan ratings, of boom. courage right here. There Would you go. say that there's a strange magic to the uh, appeal of Starship Troopers? Yes. Oh. Just like anything. Starship Troopers is a movie uh-huh. that for my entire life since it's come out, if it pops up on TV, I will watch it same, to the entirety. Same. Totally. And often, if it pops up on TV, I will just go find the movie on Amazon or somewhere and start just start it from the beginning. Yeah, well, actually, I was because it's yeah. actually crazy how many more times I think I've seen the, like, 20 minutes on of this movie. Like, yes. when I'm watching the beginning, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I always forget it begins in media rest because I don't watch yeah. the beginning as much right. because I always do, like, stop on HBO or well, whatever. And I'm like, oh, Star Trek Cooper's on. The fascinating thing is this movie comes right after Showgirls, which is, like, his biggest flop. Yeah. And it feels like him being like, fuck, I need to make another RoboCop. Right. And yeah, he doubles sure. down well, on all the RoboCop stuff and goes even further. But the beginning is very similar to RoboCop starting with the news broadcast, except it's starting with like fucking propaganda films. Right. And it goes longer into it. Right. And I feel like one also is written by Ed Newmeyer. Right. All of yeah, that. Right, yeah. yeah. Getting Tippett back on board. Uh, it's, and it is, well, no, just Total Recall is sci-fi as well, I guess. I was going to say yeah. it's his first sci-fi. But no. So in... Uh, Preparing for this podcast today, I also watched Death from Above, the making of Starship Troopers. Oh, like, is it on the Blu-ray or anything like that? Or? I have no idea. I okay. found it online. Sure, sure. But it's like 45-minute documentary about the making of. And I want to say there is a very funny thing. And this is just, I, I have no proof of this. It's just, it feels like they interviewed Ed Newmar two different times. Uh-huh. One, which he's like, so the original, the book, and he starts talking about all the things. And then the other, it feels like he had just taken cocaine right before. Because he's like, we got bugs. We got bugs and they're fighting people and I don't really care and we're doing this. And it's like insanity. Ed, you okay, Ed? I, I think he's one of those guys, we've talked about that even in this miniseries, that he kind of fell down a cocaine hole for like a decade. He's talked about how the success we've, of Ro- RoboCop. I believe we talk about it on the RoboCop episode, yeah. but let me just recap for you. Yeah. Ed Newmeyer's entire filmography. RoboCop. Huge. 1987. Starship Troopers, <laughs> 1997. I think in between he just kind of did coke. Excuse uh, me, I have more. Oh, we learned something today about him also. Let me, uh, let me, I, now I want to go to IMDb to just make triply sure that I am correct. He directed the direct-to-video sequel to this. Three. And or Phil two. Tippett, Phil Tippett I think did two and he did three. Right. But he's written all of the uh, you are direct-to-video correct. Starship He wrote, so after Robocop. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote a, a, a TV movie called Rat Bastard that I assume is a pilot that didn't get picked R- up. Probably because it was Rap called Bastard. Rat. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Starship Troopers 2 Hero of the Federation, written by Ed Newmeyer. I believe you're correct that Tippett directed it. Uh-huh. Special uh, effects master. Phil Tippett, yeah. Yeah. Anacondas, colon, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. He wrote that. But he didn't do the first one. 
No, no, oh, no, wow. no, no. That oh, was wow. uh, who was that? Was that Zsa Zsanka or uh... the fact that you're trying to pull the writer of Anaconda? <laughs> it was a it was a joke, JD. The writer of Anaconda was Hans Bauer, Jim Cash, and Jack Epps Jr. But then the three friends. Newmeyer directed Starship Troopers three, right? The journey home. Then he writes and directs Starship Troopers three, which brought. Johnny Rico back. He got Casper Van Dien Cas- back. Casper Van Dien. He also, correct. And he also wrote, because that's what we were talking about, right. is that Casper Van Dien isn't in two. Right. When I think Casper Van Dien's like, what are you talking about? No, I'm I'm not doing a DTV movie. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm an actor. I'm yeah. in Sleepy Hollow. What are you talking about? And then by the time three rolls around, they're like, Casper, it's Ed Newmeyer. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. They just I'll like, do the it. fans will like it. You'll get back. It could be the big thing. <laughs> the big thing. Now, here's my other question. Yeah. Did he have anything to do? I think he he's credited on the RoboCop remake. Not just as like the, the RoboCop remake. Are you sure it's not story by characters created by something no, like that? No, here's well, here's what IMDb says. Yeah. Joshua Zatumer wrote it yeah. with and uh-huh. Edward Newmeyer and Michael Miner. And then below that, Edward Newmeyer and Michael Miner again, 1987 motion picture. Weird. Interesting. So I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Ding dong. Ding dong. Uh, Griffin. Just grab the door. Okay, sure. Hello. I bet you know who I am. Uh, are, are you? <laughs> I think I do, but we have such a thing where I always guess wrong that I'd love you to introduce Take yourself. Take a couple guesses. I am wearing a parka, so you can't see me. <laughs> So if you guessed incorrectly, it wouldn't be that embarrassing. No, I just need you to tell me who you are. Take one guess. No. Who are you? The Tricks Rabbit. See, no way I was ever going to guess that really? you were the Tricks. Really? What was your guess? Like, I don't know. Paul Lind? Like, what are you? No, I'm pretty sure this is what the Tricks Rabbit sounds like. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's up, dude? Usually you you like to eat cereal. Okay. That's what I'm here. I'm here. I, I heard there was a cereal box here. Oh, no. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Just, no box of cereal? Just, just take a seat. You're, you're going to need to be sitting down to hear this. Okay. Okay. You sitting down? I'm sitting down. So Blank Check is sponsored by Cereal Box and Adaptive Studios. Okay. But that's, it's, it's, it's a totally different thing. But let me pitch you on it. It's not food. Sure thing. Okay. False Idols. It's a new cereal from Cereal Box who are sponsoring the show. So we, we, we talk about like uh, oat pieces, marshmallows, what no. kind of makeup? Well, NPR calls Cereal Box the HBO of reading. Oh, wow. It's Adaptive Studios is this entertainment studio. They reimagine how film and TV and digital projects are developed and produced and distributed. And Cereal Box brings you these stories written by best-selling, award-winning writers, like in, a, in teams. They write these things in teams, like a TV writer's room. And they release new episodes of like a cool story every week. Oh, wow. Ding dong. Uh, what's up? Uh, trick, Hold on, let me rabbit. get the door. Ah, have you seen those children? Uh, are you, uh, uh, After me, Lucky Charms. I heard there was a cereal box in here somewhere. Is there a cereal box anywhere on the premises? We're gonna. They're, we're, we're, they're never okay. Hey, take a seat. Oh, I, look, it's a trick rabbit. Nice to see you. Nice right. to see you too. Let me tell you about false idols. Okay. Okay. So in this cereal, mm. and by cereal I mean serialized story. Oh, you still got my attention. FBI linguist Layla L. Deeb is a deep undercover posing as an heiress in the Middle East. And she has to infiltrate the highest echelons of society to trace priceless relics from their millionaire owners back to illegal digs and the terrorist groups profiting from their sale. You guys hooked? Yeah, wow. All right. 
Can't believe it. That sounds exciting. She's got a troubled past. She's got growing feelings for an art dealer's son. And there's a terrorist plot that she has to decide where her loyalties lie on either side of. Ding dong. Oh, I don't know. Ooh. I just broke out of jail. I need some cookie crisp. Where's the cereal box? Not not like Count Chocula? (laughs) Oh, you know Chocula? He's right outside. (laughs) I can bring him in. Where is the cereal box? All right. Well, here's the cereal box. It's an app. You can switch from listening to reading in one click. So you can be listening to the show and say, you, you, you know, now you're in a place where you can't listen anymore. You can switch. Like you just inside switch. my coffin. <laughs> you can just switch and read the, read the rest of the thing on your phone. Oh, I or like adaptability in my media. Chocolate. There, there's new episodes every week. You can read or listen at no extra cost. And False Idols will be released as a print book in early April. And you can pre-order it. Oh, wow. That's that's really exciting. This is me, Griffin, talking. Hey, Griffin. How you doing? There's a lot of people in the studio right now. Yeah. We have four serial characters sitting on top of each other. And Well, I did the tell them to take a seat, so yeah. they took the same seat. Yeah. Uh, well, so Blank Check listeners can get the series now with a 20% discount on the first season of False Idols today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Go to SerialBox.com slash Blank Check. That's S-E-R-I-A-L-B-O-X dot com slash Blank Check. Uh, you check. you check to make sure that the box is blank. No, my friend. My, sorry. My count. Thank you. Chocolate. Cerealbox.com slash blank check. You go to the redeem page and you use code check18 to get a 20% discount on the first season. Ding dong. No. Hold on. Let me just get no, it. No, 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 no. No, keep the it's door closed. me, the Quaker Oats man. I'm looking for my children. Yeah, get them, get them out of here. They're his children? Yeah, well, I guess they fall under the Quaker Oats post family. He's married to... The post person. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think this all tracks. Get out of here. Don't you, you love it when we do an ad for different products in our ad for a product? Get out of here. They weren't advertising anything. They were just speaking their own truths. Blank Check listeners can get the series now with a 20% discount on the first season of False Idols. Today, head to SerialBox.com slash Blank Check. That's S-E-R-I-A-L-B-O-X dot com slash Blank Check. Or you go to the redeem page and use the code CHECK18. Ooh, that sounds good. Booberry, get out of here. It, it did make me realize uh, Flesh and Blood is the only one of the Hollywood Verhoeven movies that doesn't have a sequel of some sort. And Verhoeven hasn't done any of those sequels himself. But they're two direct-to-video hollow men. Uh, is there, there's a Total Recall sequel? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. There's there is the remake a remake, of course. There, I mean, for all I know, there is a direct video. I don't think there is. There's, there's Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven. There's Basic Instinct 2 starring David Morrissey. Risk Addiction. Weird. <laughs> starring uh, Nottingham Forest football player yeah. Stan Collymore. Who Risk is the addiction. most remade and sequel director? Mm. It might Is be it perhaps Verhoeven? I don't know. They're, but they just know. I mean, because like, like Wes Craven, I don't know, it's, it's got to be yeah. some horror guy where yeah. it's like, there are 14 seasons. It franchise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, or if we're talking direct-to-video, then Lucas takes the cake sure. because of the amount of Star Wars properties. But the thing that's interesting with him is that literally everything Verhoeven launched either resulted in a remake, a sequel, or both. Right. Other than Flesh and Blood. Right. It's almost like less in the number of them and more in the like different franchises right that's what's impressive to me yeah so okay so let's do some oh you're taking the headphones off oh boy so and you can probably help me out here jd because if you watch this documentary yep um but apparently the film started life as a script called bug hunt at outpost nine yep which is a great name 
for a script. They should have kept that. Someone points out, is it? did Newmeyer write that? Newmeyer, I believe, wrote that. Okay. And they were going to make that. And then someone points out to him, like, yo, this is similar to Starship Troopers. Yes. The book. And then the, sto- the, 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 the story is that Newmeyer read that growing up and thought it was cool and was like, yeah, we can do it. And then Verhoeven started reading it right. and immediately hated it. Hated it and stopped reading it like, Threw it in the garbage, two Halfway chapters through. in. This is yeah. fascist garbage. Uh, we, after famously throwing the Robocop script into the garbage like two chapters in, he <laughs> now throws the Starship Troopers novel uh, saying it is very boring and very right wing. Yes. Yes. And it was sort of that thing of like... It uh, made him bored and depressed. Sorry, that's the exact quote, which I think is yes. really funny. <laughs> and so they've made the movie loosely based on the mm-hmm. book. But they option the book. You know, they make right. it official. The title like, had yeah, some value. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Good title too. Good yeah, title. Great title. Yeah. I mean, Bug Hunt and Outpost Nine is good too, but sure. yeah. but Bug Hunt and Outpost Nine would have almost for sure been like a directed. It sounds video. like an Ed Wood movie. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. With Starship Troopers. Hey, you're gonna watch it. And they get a big budget. Crazy budget. Hundred and five million dollars. Yeah. Did your thing include the famous, which I have referenced before, uh, like visual effects reel? Do the documentary. Visual effects real. There's like a famous story about like they got the funding from is the studio uh, Disney? What, I think t- it's it is. Touchstone and Sony. Columbia. Yeah, yeah, because TriStar is well, right? Yeah, I'm gonna say um, something that's gonna sound like a joke right now. What? I'm suddenly feeling incredibly sick, so I'm gonna run to the bathroom for a second. Okay, I think it's the JD Amato bump. How sick are we? Are we talking nauseous? I feel like I might puke. Okay, give me a couple minutes. To see what's going JD on. and I are gonna go talk it out. Cool. Um, Do we want to stop the recording? No, let's keep talking. Okay. I, I take pee breaks all the time. Now I have to like Purell my hands. Oh, because you were touching him? I gave him that high five. Ah, that's true. I haven't touched him. No, I'm but I, the you touched him. We... Oh, I guess so. Well, I'm not worried about those kinds of vectors. Anyway, here I've told Griffin this a million times anyway. You, JD, you look very alarmed. Why Don't is, be alarmed. Why did Griffin get so sick suddenly? Mm, gonna have to say it's your fault. Okay. Uh, that there was a visual effects reel, which I believe they use in the movie, or at least they adapt in the movie, of the bug killing the cow. Oh, interesting. You know, like the cow walks into the right. lab. Right. And then the weird bug thing, the, the one that's sort of the walking mantis thing, rips the cow apart. Right. And then Paul Verhoeven walks out on screen and goes, please let me make this movie. Interesting. And that, like the sort of visually impressive uh, the effects and the, you know, the gore and the sort of like, oh, it's Paul Verhoeven, he's back at it, was enough to convince him to greenlight this movie for like $100 million. That's so interesting. I, I did not hear that. Um, so this was... that I remember reading that in Empire Magazine. So if that's... It's not true, then it's Empire Magazine's fault. This was one of the largest scale in terms of amount of work to be done. Yeah. Uh, miniatures, visual effects film of all time. The amount of things they had to make because every, all of the, all the ships, all of that's practical. Right. And they had some, all the bugs, there is some version of them, right? Like there yes. are physical versions of all the bugs. There's physical versions of all the bugs. And they also did the first like, cause this was right around Jurassic Park era. Yeah. And so that was the first sort of proof concept that you can have these CG creatures. But this is four years after Jurassic Park. This movie comes out four years after right. Jurassic Park. Yeah, go on, sorry. But, so it was sort of the first time that someone 
I mean, they, there's been other movies, but they had such large scale sort of set pieces mm-hmm. that they didn't really have techniques to combine both the practical and the digital elements. So they had to like do a bunch of insane stuff. And so the film straddles the line in a very Verhoeven way between these like cutting edge digital stuff and this like awesome, cool, top of the line practical stuff. Well, like, we, there's actual matte paintings in this movie. No, which are amazing. So we talk on our Total Recall episode about how that is like the peak, the absolute peak of like practical effects. Right. Because it's like coming right near the end of practical effects. They can do so much and they're trying like everything. Like, yes. And all of those companies that do it are up and running. Right. Fully and it's staffed. all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, and they're like breaking barriers. Stan Winston is a god. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm sure you, you've heard you know the famous i think it is stan winston's story on jurassic park where he looks at the cgi yeah. uh recreation of the t-rex and he says i am extinct right yes. like that's the joke exactly so i don't think verhoven's worked with cgi before right uh, because in between total recall which i guess total recall probably has a little cgi like very very basic but not really right because that's like a matte painting heavy movie he made basic instinct and showgirls which are not yeah this is uh, probably the first heavy time. movie and that actually, and this is fu- it's funny because Holloman also has incredibly groundbreaking. How are we doing? Griffin came back. He's Griffin got a big smile on his face. I just puked a bunch. Great! Wow. So, so just confirm. Wait. I feel okay. I think it was just food poisoning or something. David, okay, JD's JD moving is, away. Is sort of in a horseshoe movement, like kind of like a pincer crab. But, but this is less, I think, a defense of let me keep myself healthy, and more a you might be the one. You have yet to record an episode where one of us hasn't gotten sick. I know. Actually, Wait, it's wh- a little alarming. Hmm? Wait. You're pointing at me? It's been Ben up until now. Ben's been sick all the time. Right. So, and today he's healthy, so it looks like we reversed racer, the curse. I remember Ben had, like, the flu. Yeah. Like, yeah. and does, didn't talk except right at the end. He was like, hey, guys. Right. <laughs> now, yeah. War of the Worlds, you literally were sick and did not show. Stayed home. Right. The, yeah. the intern did the recording. Yes. And then what was digital filmmaking? Was Ben sick? I feel like almost the entire Star Wars, uh, yes. like you were the entire run, you were hungover. Yeah. <laughs> like you were always just like, <laughs> okay, what's up? I mean, yeah, I, I think, I was, I'm also yeah. shocked. No, at I mean, talk, Ben. I'm sorry. I mean, right now, if I got, if I just got physically sick, I would be like, game over. I'm out. I'm not like that at all. If I yeah. puke, usually I feel great. But see, now I do worry. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to feel bad again. Sure. But usually, right after I throw up, I'm like, okay, quit. I like, might take another puke break. I, I more. I used to be to like me. you, but. This is also the actor in me. It's not just the memorizing the whole like list of things. It's like I've had that happen where I've had to like puke in my trailer and then go out and do like takes. This is and I have to me. act like nothing happened. JD, I've never JD, who I consider a pretty unflappable dude. Yes, seems a little flapped. I'm flapped by this. <laughs> you're flapped. You're flapped you're severely this. flapped. So what right have you now. eaten, Griff? I ate poutine at a bar last night. I mean, the culprit's pretty clear. There's a straight line here. <laughs> Pardon sure. the pun, yeah. but uh, good gravy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think <laughs> the issue was eat- bad gravy. No, I, I know. Think what that are you was- doing fucking eating poutine? It was a good bar, and so I don't want to drag their name, but it was a bar where I thought, I think I can trust the poutine here. If this- I told you the place, you'd be astonished that the, that the poutine would cause this to me. This whole thing has flapped me. <laughs> he's flapped. I'm fully flapped by Folks, this. Folks, he's flapped. He's been flapped. Uh, ben, I'm sorry that I impugned you about being hungover all the time. Did you want to say something? JD's moving further away. Uh, yeah, just hang with me over here, yeah. I'm going to be on David's side here. Yeah, I I don't know. I wasn't always hungover. <laughs> Maybe I was quite often. I think Griffin's hey, right. You were also a was, little sick of us. I was, I was sick of you guys. Yeah. I, I was working in a closet. 
And then I also, at that time, was living in an apartment, a windowless room. <laughs> so I essentially went from one closet to another closet. So sure. it was not a great time in my life. Wasn't you're, a great you're time. You're doing great life. these days. I'm and doing you... good. I'm wearing a sharp cardigan. I'm looking good. <laughs> Feeling good. Ben's looks recently. I'm, I keep meaning to do a slideshow yeah. like because I, I got to take a picture of him today. Yeah. His fashion's been on point. But also, Ben, um, you know, you have said that this is the year of positivity for you. Oh, for sure. You're going to be positive, Ben. Positivity? Mr. Positive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm turning it around in 2018. Now, yeah, Ben seems like in a real positive place. He's in a great zone. Um, one thing, I just want to pause the podcast to tell you the Annie nominees for Best Animated Feature. You'll probably be interested too, JD. Okay, good. Okay, this yes. is coming just out Just to sort of reset. February, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Captain Underpants. Cool. Cars 3. Uh, Coco. Yep. Despicable Me 3. Uh, uh, Boss Baby. Huh. If they nominated just the first thirty minutes, I would sign off. Uh, that. They did not uh, clarify whether or not it's for just. Congra now they also congratulations to Coco. Yeah, yeah Coco's yeah, got exactly. that one lined up. Yeah. What's annoying to me is that the Annies also have the like best independent animated yeah. features. No, like, come on, fucking guys. Because Breadwinner, everyone says that Breadwinner movie is good. Right? Good movie. Haven't seen it yet. I like it a lot. Uh, anyway, Breadwinner could have been a trophy winner. Number two. Sorry that you're barfing, Griff. Um, let me also, happy you. birthday. Oh, thank you. Yes, this episode's coming out on my birthday. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'll be a beautiful, bouncing 29 years old as of the day of this release. Beautiful, barfing 29 years old. I'll be old. barfing all over the place at 29. Guys, just for the people at home, can we stop talking about how sick Griffin was? <laughs> I think it's more for you, though. You're, you're, you're saying it's for the people at home, but I think it's for JD. It's for me. It's definitely for me. But I know <laughs> uh, there's there's a couple people at home right now that are like me that are like, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to hear about it. I think we're establishing an interesting B-plot to this episode. I agree. But definitely. Yeah. But let me just catch you up on what JD and I were talking about Please. while you were out. Yeah. Thank you. If you can restate it word for word. No. But we were basically talking about the the mix of practical and visual effects mm -hmm. here. Now, and I was talking about how Total Recall, practical effects. We yes. talk about it on that app, right? Yeah. The king of practical. This is his first visual effects heavy movie since then. Uh-huh. Because Showgirls and Basic Instinct are in between. And Hollow Man's a very CGI movie. Well, I was talking about, yeah, mm -hmm. that's coming up. Mm -hmm. But so this is him. He's like... He's got many more tools in his toolbox. Yes. But JD is impressed by the mix. Well, because, yes. as David said, he believes this is the first Verhoeven movie mm -hmm. where he's had to use CGI. Yeah. 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 Yes. For sure. And it was interesting because I've If you read, don't count the TV edit of Showgirls. Oh, boy. CGI bras. Oh, right. The CGI yeah. bras. Oh, right. I don't oh, right. know if those, you know, a, a cursory glance, I'm not sure if those were CGI. <laughs> they may have been a cell GI. Yeah. Willy Willy. Yeah. But there were um, these interesting articles I was reading from like the late 90s when this movie came out. Mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was basically like the effects team giving interviews within the industry about how they did this stuff. And this film was nominated for Best Visual Effects at the Academy. They brought in so. a lot of their post team. Mm hmm after they had already shot all of their practical stuff. Interesting. Which, in the world of filmmaking... You would never do. You always say, uh, post-production is pre-production. So yeah. if you're doing effects stuff, you have to bring them in from the beginning for previs. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time. Right. And they had a hard time. Yes. I'm sure so, they did. God. For example, there is one shot in the film uh, where they start outside, way outside the Roger Young, which is like the big, giant spaceship. Right. And we zoom through space to the Roger Young, and then sort of track around the front of it and then push in closer and we see inside of it uh, Carmen Ibanez hanging out in the whatever. Mm -hmm. They had shot that plate mm -hmm. of the, you know, her in the in the driver's seat or whatever before they had built the models or done any of wow. the CG stuff. Yeah. So they had to basically, like, 
insane. I can I, I want to get into more detail about all the stuff they did. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, we got at, loads at a, of time. <laughs> <laughs> loads of time. Griffin, you're just. I might take a couple puke breaks, but otherwise we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they had to build one model. So the the Roger Young, those models, mm-hmm. they were 18 feet long. Mm-hmm. 18 feet for, for the main ship. When you watch Starship Troopers, know that an 18 foot version of that ship existed, and they made multiple of them. And let, let me just mention, like, not only do effects-driven things, or even a non-effects movie that has a big effects sequence, uh, will they have the special effects team working on previs in development meetings, all that sort of stuff, but there will always be a person from the special effects team on set when you're shooting stuff right? to say, an Don't inch do this that. way, do this. it right. helps me yeah. if you need this. There was a guy in the tick who always had his bag with his balls. You know what I'm talking about? The balls that you need <laughs> so, to plant up to get the reflection of the here's light. Here's what's interesting. Yeah. This was, so that's what Griffin's referring to is called HGRI Global Illumination. Yeah, was balls. We had was balls on set all yes. the time. Yeah. And this film was before the glo- global oh, illumination technology right. really existed. Sense. Interesting. So, okay, what that is, is when you have live action elements and I, you want to put CG elements in there. I believe you talk about this a little bit on the episode two episode. Oh, I think on. I did. I think yeah, I did. Yeah. Because that it was around sphere, a similar time. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get the lighting all right. Now, this was before then, so they would have to just mimic the lighting. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do the uh, HRI illumination process because it really didn't exist yet. Right. So what they're doing was just trying to match the lighting as best they could by like taking really good field notes and measurements. Yeah. And they, ha- they would have a, um, like a, a, a gray sphere that they mm-hmm. would shoot just for like, harshness of light and exposure and things like that, but they wouldn't have the mirror ball that would get you all the information immediately. And it's also the number one thing that sells the integration of those elements is is lighting, whether or not things look like they're in the same space. Right. I mean, with that all said, then the, the, I mean, the visual effects are incredible. Because, That's insane. I mean, they're, yeah. they're good anyway. Right. But when you think about, like, if they oh, were they all were Monday morning infancy. quarterback, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then there's, so like, this is also before processing power has gotten so intense. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I was reading some articles and they're saying that like certain frames of it as they'd start running right out would be 36 hours of rendering for a single frame. Wow. And so what they started doing is they developed a sprite technology. So like when you think about video games, you know, like sprites, like, yeah, yeah of course, yeah, exactly yeah. the truth. But like, like Mario is a sprite. Mm-hmm. Mario is actually like four sprites technically, but like Mario is like a sprite, yeah. which means he's something that's pre-rendered. The computer knows what it is. And they're just moving that around the mm-hmm. screen. So what they did is they took, 360 views of all of the bugs and rendered those out as individual sprites and then created this algorithm to pop those in so they didn't have to render those with the lighting effects. That's really fucking So smart. in the background, you'll see a lot of those bugs are mm. these like pre-rendered sprite versions of them. And the hero ones that are in the foreground are individually, are individually rendered and sure, stuff like that. Sure, sure. And that got the render times down. But it was like That's they're so learning hard. all of this yeah. stuff on the fly in a movie like this while also building these crazy models. And these models are huge. Yeah. Like yeah. massive. Right. For the ships and for the bugs right. and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because if you build them small, it doesn't look real. Right. Right. So and, like, And the fineness of detail, being able to have it be dense enough. And, right. Right, yeah. You get, you get your specular reflections. You get your uh, diffuse, which your specular reflections. When you make things small, you're going to notice it, which sure. is the, uh, the deformations in the surface will mm-hmm. reflect light in certain directions. And mm-hmm. if you work on a small scale, totally, totally. you're going to notice the materials. You're gonna notice, just about to that say happens that. to me yeah. all the time. Yeah. You're going to yeah. notice I'm, the materials reflecting light in a different direction, which is why when you look at like a tiny little like snow village or like a little like mini train set, mm-hmm. the light looks different. It's because it's bouncing off of things that are meant to um, 
have a more stable service because it's so small, the light bounces differently. See, here's what's kind of really telling to me, okay? And I understand they're movies of different scales and sizes and ambitions in terms of what technology they're trying to push. But I know. What's going on? Keep talking. Keep talking. Because we got to do the, this movie. Keep talking. Keep okay, talking. Okay. I was just looking at the runtime. The thing, the thing that I find interesting is as opposed to... Are we four hours long right now? No, keep going, barf man. As opposed to... This is so weird. This I don't episode. know. What the fuck is going on Nothing. Here? You just... Ben and I exchanged a glance. We... <laughs> and now Griffin's losing his goddamn mind. Ben's, Ben's putting a finger to his lips. Okay. The thing that I find interesting is whereas Attack of the Clones, you said the thing that's crazy about that movie is they were trying to do things that they had never been done before. They were ahead yes. of the technology in terms of their ambitions. And they had to make up solutions on the fly. Yes. That movie's more difficult because literally every single shot was something like that. And that this was movie has practical elements yeah. and physical actors existing on sets and all of that sort of stuff. But how well he pulled this off when it was a similar kind of process, I think, speaks to I don't know, he's a guy with with high standards and he sure. hired really smart people and he took the time to make sure they figured it out, even if it wasn't the right workflow. Because okay. what year was Attack of the Clones? Two thousand two. Five years after this. Yeah. Right, which, think about that. Right. That's insane. And insane. They, he, Verhoeven worked with the masters of practical effects. Mm -hmm. Mark Sullivan, the guy who does all of the uh, matte paintings, mm -hmm. is like one of the best matte painting guys like in the world. Yeah. Sure. And so they did, he did physical matte paintings where they built miniatures, took photos of that. He did matte paintings based on those miniatures and then they like composited elements. So this is like the height of practical and digital yeah. sort of combining. Like, yeah, Phil Tippett worked on fucking like Star Wars. Like he did like the Rancor and shit. You know, it's right. like you're looking at the people who are, right, real like artists in their fields. Uh, so this movie starts with a propaganda recruitment video. <laughs> Thank you. Which is insane. Yes. Because the whole film is uh, bookended as though the whole film is a propaganda film. Correct. Yes. Um, this is his triumph of the will. Correct. He... And literally right. stealing shots from yeah, Triumph of yeah, the Will. Yeah, he studied he stole, Triumph of the Will like, extensively for this movie. And of course, the uniforms of the, what are they called? SS. The Federation. Federation, yes. right. I thought you were trying to, well, the, well, you were well, trying to remember well, not, the word Nazi. No, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's I, really easy to forget that word these days. They're so off the brain, you know? The uniform of the Federation yeah. modeled on... Nazi uniforms. Which is the thing, like, when this movie came yeah. out, people said, like, oh, this movie's so dumb. These idiots accidentally made the costumes look like Nazi costumes. <laughs> like, people literally said shit I, like I that. I know. I know. Like, they I, didn't like, And it feels credit. like a right. straw man argument where we're, like, saying that people didn't get the movie, but that generally, genuinely like, was. the fucking reviews. They were, like. I know. It's yeah. fascinating that this movie, like, is this sort of litmus test for whether or not you have an interesting brain because if you sit there and go, like, this is weird, let me figure out what he's trying to say, as opposed to, this is weird, he must be an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. And at the time, everyone wrote it off as, he's an idiot, why are these performances so over the top? Why are white actors all playing people from Buenos Aires? Right. Why right. do they look like Nazis? And and also, I think just, I mean, like you read like the Ebert review or Janet Maslin's review in the Times, and it's like, this is just like a dumb jock movie for boys. Like, this is just for like 12-year-olds. Right. right. And it's like, you can see, obviously, if you sit down and watch this movie, that is wall-to-wall -wall gory violence, yeah. you know, giant guns, nukes, and, like, explosions. A lot of nudity. Yeah, of, yeah some, this sort of, like, uh, kind of very casual nudity. And, of course, an ensemble of actors who are largely... Uh, like fucking Barbie and Ken dolls. Like 
H list. Yeah. Like how how low can we go? You right. know, yes. like and Verhoeven, absolutely anonymous actors, right. or like kind of like vaguely washed up actors like Dina Mayer, who sure. are like basically sort of in a schlocky zone. Right. You know? She's washed up after two movies. Right. But, you but know, actors who don't leave much. Yeah, Ruma McClanahan have roles in this movie. Actors who don't leave much of a thumbprint. Yeah, and Verhoeven purposely wanted to cast the youngest actress he could. Yeah, he wanted, no, like, no, no, to Rue McClanahan, by the way. No, she rules in that. They look like kids is a is a stretch for Casper Van Dien. No, no, because no, that man. <laughs> no, what we're saying is he wanted to cast like kids. Right, right. He wanted right, to cast right, like fifteen year olds, and they were like no fucking right. right. And so then in, instead, in all these interviews, he talks about like everyone was basically appeared on like Dawson's Creek, or right. whatever. He was he like, cast, let's just get like, the cast of TV Dawson's young. Creek. Casper right. Van Dien was a total unknown. Which is crazy. He had never been in a movie. All of them had been on Beverly Hills 90210, right? I think he not, used not, that as sort yes, of the casting yes. pot. He, had, he, was, he was Ty Moody on One Night to Live, Love, like One Life to Live. Sure. And then he was in Beverly Hills 90210. He was 29. Wow. And apparently... I had, mean, really? The he, age of me on the day that this episode releases. He, he certainly looks 29. Yes. And the story was that he came into the interview, into the, I'm sorry, the, the audition. The audition. Mm-hmm. And he had a background. He went to military school. Oh. And so he took a rifle and started doing like, sure, the, like, like the military, and do, assemb- assembling, that kind yeah. of stuff. And talked about his, you know, beliefs and all that stuff. And Verhoeven was like, yep, this is him. Yep, um, this is the guy. Right. And then uh, he went on to be the lead puppet in Team America. <laughs> <laughs> he is one of the most artificial well looking men of all time. He just has this weird, he genetically perfect, symmetrical area. Like he was drawn him. with a set square. Right. He does look like the puppet from Team America. 100%. <laughs> Isn't he now weirdly like aristocracy through marriage? I believe he married a princess. Uh, Catherine Oxenberg, the daughter of Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia. Thank you. However, they are divorced. Casper. Sorry about it. Casper Van Dien, who was born in Milton, Florida. His father, as you say, was a, a fighter pilot. Ooh. Casper Van Dien Sr. Ooh. Uh, his mother was a nursery school teacher. Ooh. He is descended from an old Dutch family. Okay. Moved yeah. to uh, New York long ago. They carved him out of wood, and then a fairy came and blessed him and turned him into a real boy. And that's the Casper <laughs> Van Dien story. That yeah. is true. They yes. prayed for a son. Yeah. You know, the, his most notable, I would say his most notable role post uh, Starship Troopers is the that he was cut out of uh, the Rules of Attraction where he played Patrick Bateman. Oh, right. Yes. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Apart from that, he is in Sleepy Hollow. Which he was like, you know. He's probably like the seventh lead, I guess. He's sort he's of like. He's got some big scenes, but I remember them positioning as like, maybe Casper Van Dien's going to continue to be in big budget movies. Like, even if not as the lead, he's like a steady guy. He was also in Tarzan in the Lost City, which was a little more his right. speed. Yes. Yeah, um, the problem is he is. Which was just like a, a sort of vaguely cheapo yeah. Tarzan movie. Really. He's too classically attractive in an unsettling way. He's sort of in that Dolph Lundgren universe uh-huh. where he's just sort of frightening and a little Nazi. There's an uncanny like, valley. And he's not even trying to be. To yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He's where it's like no matter how good an actor is, you'd look at him and be like, "Ooh." Yeah. Yeah. Now it's creepy. No oh, offense to Casper Van Dien. Yeah. I don't think he's a particularly good actor. I think he's fine. I think he suits this movie pretty well. Yeah, like Verhoeven. Yeah. Has claimed as of late to critics that he somewhat purposely cast people that weren't great actors. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Or that their look was more the way he yes. puts it, their look, look was, was more important, important than their acting ability. I, I think it's very clear that from the young cast, like you watch this and it's it's not surprising Neil, Neil Patrick Harris is the only one who went on to have like a real career. Right. Because you Harris see the way very good in this he movie. plays Amy the intentionality Smart. of being beaten down. 
Well, Amy Smart's very much like of. Uh, she uh, looks like a Barbie race. doll. She's like, hey, you know, like she just sort of sits there. Just friends much? Um, no, but like Denise Richards, Casper Van Dien, Dina Meyer, Amy Smart, uh, the the dickhead who's uh, Denise Richards' superior, Patrick Muldoon. Yes, they're they're all sort of very much of a piece. Uh, they're they're like models. They're you know like they're little puppets that, that right. Patrick Muldoon controlling had never been in a movie before. Okay. Dina Mayer was in two movies. Can you name them? No. Well, one she's in Johnny Mnemonic, which she, I mean, look, no offense to Dina Mayer, but she kind of ruins. Okay, wow. she's sort of the big problem with that movie. I uh-huh. mean, an otherwise flawless movie that no one has any objections to. Sure, um, which was like her big breakout role, but she's pretty bad. And then she was in Dragonheart. Oh, remember yeah. Dragonheart? Yes. Um, but I agree with what you're saying, Reeve Hoven casting for look because yeah. like Patrick Muldoon's Wait, is a great Dragonheart. The Sean Connery, Connery right. voices That's a dragon. Dennis yeah. Quaid. Yes. yes. Um, and then Denise Richards the same. Like obviously right. Denise Richards had this sort of like has right. this kind of otherworldly like. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like her face is so angular, and like her eyes are so bright. Um, she, she looks like a drawing of a sexy lady more than like a real person, which but, is fitting because movie opens on this. Uh, we are seeing this propaganda film from a computer screen because you see drop down menus and clicks. Right, right, and it's you know. Service guarantees citizenships. I like how that's just sort of dropped in, though. Like, yeah, there's lots yeah. of other talking about service guarantees citizenship, and you're just probably like, you know, you might not quite think about what that line means right. instantly. It's such a funny line. And like, if you listen to the opening propaganda stuff yeah. and trickle throughout, they set up that basically um, humans have traveled to different planets to tr- start mining, mm-hmm. and they accidentally stumbled on this planet with bugs. Right. And instead of turning around, they've tried to set up encampment there, and the bugs are fighting back. And right. so now it's they're mad at the bugs. Right. But it's very much like they are we the attack them. Like, yes. Right. But they were they, not. Being they are told the indigenous that, really. people. Right. Exactly. Right. Yes. There's 100%. only the one time where the newscasters, like some people say that, you know, live and let live might right. be better. And like we might have uh, but, it disturbed the bugs. That's the whole point. Like, the and movie that's when Johnny Rico as, says, I'm from right. Buenos Aires and I say, kill them all. Right. Yeah. The movie functions as propaganda to not give you the counter argument. You right. have to read between the lines to understand what's actually going on. So the right. first image we see is all this stuff. And then we see our boy, C. Van D. <laughs> Johnny Rico. Johnny Rico. Yeah. Get bugged right in the leg. Sure. Yeah. We see all this chaos. Chaos. Uh, it's some sort of like propaganda. It almost looks like propaganda gone wrong because like, right. you know, war it's, it's is pretty unfolding and it's frightening. Yeah, battleground footage. Here's uh, something I want to say about this. And then we this. go to one year earlier. Then we go to one slam. year earlier. I don't like that we see the battle going wrong at all. I do. I don't because I really like how horrifying the battle is when it happens. Yes, I agree. I just don't think we need to see it at all. I, I love I, how scary it is when it actually happens. But I do think... I mean, I like the propaganda video. Like, open with that. I do think it's almost like Verhoeven setting up his thesis sentence, though, Mm -hmm. where he's like, it's about how it's this, but it's really this. Agreed. That's what I like. I think you're right. I I just don't think he needs to do it yet. I think you're right. Yeah. Doesn't need to do it. But I bet he would have been afraid that people would have just bought in well, that this that whole happens. thing was propaganda. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, right. That happened anyways. Right. doesn't matter. Right. Uh, I, just, I want to say, yeah, Denise sure. Richards yeah. was in Looking Italian. What? I don't know what that is. We're the ones holding the podcast The American up. crime drama film starring Matt LeBlanc that we mentioned on our Lost in Space episode, Looking Italian. Okay, not to be confused with too many Italians 
what you dreamed was the title of the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, no, it was, I think it was uh, 10 years, but more Italians was the, uh, more yeah, Italian. anyway. Uh, I can't believe that the way he's slowing down the podcast. I know, it's insane. Telling us to shut up, going on these side Every fans, I don't care about looking Italian. Every podcast fan, <laughs> every blankie right now, just they just slammed the brakes on their car, freaking out at how amazing that coincidence and is. And then they all went, I love movies. Blanket? I'm not touching you. <laughs> <laughs> Good callback. All right, so yeah, we cut to Casper. Right, so one year oh, earlier. The, the other thing I want to say I like about this, okay? is because all the actors are so generic looking. I think if you were watching this for the first time... Which I did, and I did, what you're about to say. You wouldn't even necessarily piece together that was literally the footage from later in the battle. No idea. Well, you have no idea that's the hero of the film. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, Watching it this time, and I've seen the movie five times, went, oh, right, that is Casper Van Dien, right? It's shaky. The guy looks like a fucking doll. Mm-hmm. He's got a helmet on. I, just, I think it feels like I random fight point. footage at that I point. I know you point. did. I just want to make my no, point, I think and now you're I right. my point. Also, I'm sorry, Ben. I got to just dial it back one further. Real great classic white text, black screen title. Oh, lovely. Practical. Oh, yes. Not too fancy, which no, is what I love. Because, which is the same thing he does in RoboCop. At right. the end credits of RoboCop. Yeah. But he has tons of, you know, purposely crappy digital text for right. all of the propaganda stuff. But yes. that is like pristine, practical. This you can true. see it flittering in the the grain of well, film. And yeah. like that's the ellipses around his movie. Like he's like every other piece of text you're going to see is within the body of the film supporting the idea of what the movie is. Right. Arguing against technically. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. So the C. first. Van D gets yeah, shot no, in the okay, light. Yeah. The first chunk of the Jesus film. Jesus Christ. Shushing. Unbelievable. Jesus. So wow. I've, <gasps> oh my God. I'm never sick, felt David. worse. Why are you being so hostile? I'm sick. We're an hour in. I'm We've discussed the opening scene of the film. Yeah, Mr. Too Many Italians. Yeah. <laughs> Too many. No, it wasn't. It's look, looking Italian. Looking with an apostrophe. Italian. You also walked Italians. us. You've been walking us through the careers of so many people via IMDb. That's my fucking job. People love it when I do that. <laughs> this I, is the and podcast. I never even got to say my point, which is I think weirdly oh Dina God. Mayer. Uh, yes. It doesn't doesn't I don't feel like she has the look that a lot of the other actors he cast does. No. Yeah. She's like she, right. she doesn't have that sort of like she's living less doll generic. look. Yeah, yes. she's sort of an right. interesting looking person. Yes. She's got the curly hair. Yeah. So I don't know why he cast Dina Mayer. She's flinty. She is flinty. I agree. She's pretty yeah, she's pretty this is her best performance. That's what you want character, Dizzy. Dizzy Flores. Yes. Isabel Dizzy Flores. Um anyway, so the first chunk of the movie is is high school. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, but I just have to say, one of the first things we see, one of the first things we see is Casper Van Dien drawing a picture and he's too good at drawing. Yes. And it makes Correct. it's annoyed me since I was a kid. Yeah. That that program he's using, whatever it is, it's like a futuristic etch a sketcher, yeah. right? Like he's so weird. Because he draws him and Carmen yes. and then kissing. animates them kissing. He does a little gift. But here's my And then in five seconds, she Colors both of them in, right. and then animates her her blowing bubble gum in his face yeah. right. in a way that I'm like, in the future, everybody is this like, yeah, who the fuck are you? But here's here maybe the program's <laughs> doing most of the heavy lifting. Like maybe it's sort of like it makes you a good drawer. Like you just do the basics, and it just kind of it's like, like a bitmoji. Yeah, it just you kind know, of does it, it all for like, you. It has like pre-vis. It is the future after sure. all. Because I mean, like, okay, he's good at drawing, but I don't know if those two drawings really look like Casper Van Dien and Denise Rich. They kind of just look like boring but people, the, right? I mean, but, right, the, right, uh, I, mean I know, right, I know, David, I know. Right, right. Hey, now. So at high You're school, these thirty-year-old actors <laughs> the are in high school. So what do they do in high school? 
Johnny's dating Carmen Ibanez. Yes. Yep. They're in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, uh, which we see nothing of. It's just skyscrapers and right. mansions. It's, it's been completely homogenized. Right. Uh, and future Ball seems pretty chill. Yes. Yeah, Ben's of- really excited to talk about Future Ball. We'll get there. Well, we're there. 30 oh, minutes from there. now. No, we have some other stuff oh, to talk no. about. Johnny Rico's bad at math. Coming to Ben is not bad, bad at math. math. His yes, friend man. Carl fucking humiliates drags him. <laughs> yeah, p- p- puts his score on the big board. Yeah, at, yeah in the future, 35. when you try to figure out your grades, you go and type into a computer screen in front of everybody, and it comes up as a like a 1 16th quadrant of the screen. Yeah. Right. And then. And you can um, zoom anyone this can out. access it and, yeah. and turn it, maximize it into the full image, full frame. Uh, his best friend Carl is played by Neil Patrick Harris, and what is set up at the beginning of the movie to seem like, oh, the funny best friend comedic right. relief character, and then sure. doesn't function that way at all, which is a thing I love that this movie does. Yeah, he doesn't function. But that you have way. this scene at the beginning where he's trying to make himself a psychic because that's a thing that that the Federation needs. So he's doing tests. You mean Johnny Rico is? Yes. Carl is a psychic. Carl is a you psychic. You mean Johnny Rico's he's trying. Practicing. He's training. When you said trying, like okay. it's. Yeah. But okay. he's also training Casper yes. to he's, be a psychic. Right. Well, it's because like Casper's not good at math. Okay, so he won't do that. Could yeah. he be a psychic? No. Doesn't seem can't like do that. that. Can't even guess the cards. Yeah. And Carl's like. He could be an animator, but seemingly he doesn't want to go down that career path. No. Man, military does need animators. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you gotta, he could be you, the Sky Marshal of the animation. Someone's got to be animating your private snafu shorts. And at this point, the A plot. That's a good pull. Two people are going to like that a lot. Two people are going to like that a lot. When do you need to barf again? Four hours from now. <laughs> so by the time we hit the third scene, I'll need to barf again. Oh, good. So, what was I going to say? Oh. Yeah, high school. I high just, school. I love how absolutely fakey this all is and, and the how a plot old at this point, The A-plot at this point yeah. is that Johnny Rico has yet to, uh, you know. What's he going to do? Where's he going to go to college? Make What's he going to do Carmen. with his life? No, oh, oh, the whole thing is like they haven't had sex yet. They do they never the have sex though? No, because he's like, you haven't done it yet. And he's yeah. like, no, we're tonight's the night or whatever. It's like a very right, like yeah, classic, yeah, yeah. right? Right. It's high school. The prom is right. approaching. Sure. All that. Dizzy's got a crush on. She's crazy about him. She's in love with him. Uh, on Johnny Rico, and he hates it. How dare she like him? And Neil Patrick Harris is like, I can read her mind. Yeah. Y- yes, he is. Neil Patrick Harris also has a little monkey. Mean. Meanwhile. Meanwhilest. Michael Ironside. Yep. The great Michael Ironside. Who. Um, you know, he used so beautifully in Total Recall. A, a method actor who spent two years killing bugs in order to prepare for this role. Chopped yes. off his own arm. Just squashing <laughs> bugs left and right. Here's a, here's a real fact. Yeah. When they shot the ch- all the scenes with him with no arm, yeah. they had his arm out and had a fake arm on there and then had to go through and digitally paint out his real arm. Uh, that sounds fucking hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, Harder than just like Put your arm behind your back. Yeah, and shoot yes, behind you. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes. So he's this guy who sort of he. What is he? Their math teacher, science yes. teacher, or something? No, yeah. Rue McClanahan's the the anatomy he's, teacher, right. right? Where they do the, the bug anatomy. Yeah. yeah, I think he's like the civics no, right? He's like the civics teacher. He's home right? That's it. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a scene where Michael Ironside goes, "Today we're baking cupcakes." Yeah, he like puts a, a stick blender onto his yeah. arm. Here's how like, to make a bed. <laughs> What's the difference between citizenship and civilians? Also, how many eggs does it take to <laughs> properly? What's the difference between Venetian blinds and? Um, so he's he's their teacher, yeah, and he's been damaged by this war. Yes, um, but he still is sort of like trying to instill an idea of twenty uh, first century patriotism. And all these children. classes are like uh, are full of propaganda. Like every class is steered towards this bug war. And and 
kind of throwing the import of this war onto all of their students to develop a pipeline where all of them feel like they need to be citizens versus civilians. And the difference is well, that... Go on. Now, what were you going to say? Well, he, in his first line, I think in yeah. the whole movie, he says like, all right, let's sum up the history. Yes. And then he says like, I'll read this. The social scientists of the 21st century brought our world to the brink of chaos. So basically it's like democracy is now regarded as this like, Ugh, yeah, those guys, what an idiotic idea that was. Luckily, there's no more democracy. Phew. Right, like that. We got, got that we exactly. We, we we barf that out of our system. Much like I barfed out my poutine. I it's, hate this. <laughs> that's why I keep picking it back. I know. Um, and so now we're in this perfect new system where mm-hmm. you, if you want to be able to vote, you have to you know serve in the military right. and fight bugs. And I'll do the same with you. Well, my mom said violence doesn't solve anything. Um, really, I wonder what the city founders of Hiroshima would have to say about that. Then Carmen Abanez raises yes. her hand. She goes. They wouldn't say anything because they're all dead. Hiroshima was destroyed is what she, and he well, says, my favorite, my, says, my line's better. Yeah, true. He says my favorite show. line in the whole movie. Correct. Naked force has resolved more issues throughout world history than any other factor. The contrary opinion that violence never solves anything is wishful thinking at its worst. And what I love about this is the shit he is saying is so frightening, but the movie is sort of like, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, this yeah. is the nice teacher. He's the fucking Dead Poet Society guy. Because this right. opening section of the movie does have the aesthetics of Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just even the lighting, their performances. It's like a 1950s high school romp. Yes, correct. Uh, it's like he's in this uh, propaganda story. Right. The Mr. Chips who, you know, gets Johnny Rico to serve his planet. And, right, he's you looking know, for the purpose. Aspire to a higher life. cause. Right. right. Yeah. Because this movie... If or this the whatever triumph of a will movie within the movie yeah. is like from lump and clay, you know, not good at math, right. like not a psychic, yeah, good we, jawline, good booming <laughs> voice. This like this guy gets turned into like an icon of the Federation, yes. like right. a perfect soldier, right? And uh, this is this is like the seed being planted. Yes. Meanwhile, Mike Ironside's basically like violence is the only answer to anything. Yeah, right. naked force. But but he's like the Frederick Zola character. Right. You know, right. he's the guy that this movie is like canonizing as like the aspirational figure of the Federation. And he's so good. I you mean, you're it into yeah. it. Right. You love yeah. Michael Ironside in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then we fast forward to prom. 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 Here's a fun fact. Growing up on my little. Wasn't even it was like an MP3 portable player. You could hold like eight songs max on it. One of the songs that I got illegally via Napster yeah. was "I Have Not Been to Paradise" by Zoe Zoe Polidoris, daughter, oh, of, daughter of daughter of the score movie. She plays like electro violin or like it's like this weird electro band, and they she plays a sort of a version of "I Have Not Been to Oxford Town" by David Bowie, but the lyrics right. are "I Have Not Been to Paradise." Yeah. And I always, I had that on my thing and I would listen to it because I like Starship Troopers. I like Starship yeah. Troopers too. She's now a composer for Z-list animated movies. Yeah. <laughs> if you look up her. Like, like the Hero of Color City, that Owen Wilson movie where he played a crayon. I do not know about that A film movie. that was inexplicably released on like a thousand screens. Wait, I've never. I Holy swear to God, there's a movie shit. called Hero of Color City where Owen Wilson plays a crayon and Zoe Pelladoris did the score. And that movie got a wide release. Christina Ricci is yellow. Hey, Rosie Perez is red. Owen Wilson plays a fire-breathing dragon. I thought it was a crayon. He's not a crayon. No. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I have the unfor. Uh, Wayne Brady is blue. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 
He was he was born to play. Well, he's fought depression. He's talked about very openly his struggles with depression. Fair enough. Yeah. If you click on blue, it gives you the Wikipedia entry for the color blue. Oh, cool. That was a joke by somebody. <laughs> what was that? I mean, some, oh, oh, someone the, the, had the to blank. put that in. Oh, the, the Wikipedia. The yes, someone yes. had to do that. A Wikipedian was the one who who made that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, anyways, uh, they're all outside of Color City. They're trying to get to it. <laughs> um, basically, the mailman is like. I don't know how to get there. God damn it, I deliver. <laughs> Wait, we're, not, we're just going to summarize who are color quick. Yeah, quickly. quickly. Good. Five minutes. Five minutes. Very fast. So all of the crayons believe that um, <laughs> the whole world should be their color. It has to so be. So they're mad at each other. Yes. And so it turns into sort of like a rat race, Amy Smart right. kind of battle. Reprising her role. Yeah. It's sort of like which crayon is going to get to color city soon right. enough. Steps in. Okay. A big dragon right. played by Owen right. Wilson. Anyway, so after prom. <laughs> David, you brought this on us. I, this one I didn't bring on. I was ready to keep it moving. <laughs> he, he brought up the crayons. I assumed we all knew the hero of Color right. City. So, uh, is there... The hero is... Is there anything the else? I mean, we got... Well, there's the future ball. Oh, yeah. yes. Future and ball. And the rivalry with uh, Xander. Ben's played future by ball. Dave, are you going to... Patrick Muldoon. Dave, why did I say Patrick Dave? Muldoon's, um, <laughs> hair, Patrick Muldoon's <laughs> hair is like he has frosted tips. Yes. But they haven't been frosted. Correct. But they're you know separated. I mean? Right. Like, He's right. got the weird spiky haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, uh, Ben, Dave, Hosley, uh, can, are you <laughs> going to play the, the the theme right now for the Ben's Future Ball segment? Did my mic just go out? No. Uh, I'm no. hearing you fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, so here we go. I love Future Ball. It looks super chill because football in the future is now like kind of toned down a little bit and is a lot safer. They play it indoors and it's fun. It's and it's like basketball. It's really interesting that you call it chill, though. It doesn't is seem this, chill. It's chill, it's dude. Very aggro. It's so aggro. chill. Is this oh, yeah. still the theme song? Yeah, yeah. This great is theme the, song. These are the Thank you, Ben. The theme song. Yeah, the theme song's the whole segment. Uh, Blankies, if you guys want to turn that into your own original song, those are the lyrics. Uh, tweet them to at David Sims. So <laughs> can I just read something quick? Yeah, tweet them to at David Sims. Definitely, that's 10, the one to tweet. Ten fourteen a.m. Like DL Sims or something. I'm talking about ten fourteen a.m. This uh-huh. morning that we're we're now speaking, JD Amato sends the text. Crazy that today is the day we record the podcast episode that changes the world. <laughs> I just want to restate that right now. What did I reply with? Podcast guarantees citizenship. That's right. And JD responded, Do you want to know more? Ten comedy points to everyone. Griffin's whole contribution was running fifteen behind. Correct. Uh, <laughs> and so throwing up when he got here. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing great. Also, I'd like to point out, we talked about this a little before the podcast. Future ball. Seems like football, but they made a, a couple gymnastic elements yeah. rule right, adjustments. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. One rule that they seem to have changed, which sort of confuses me, is in football, when the clock runs out, you can continue play. And it's sort of like, uh oh, whatever Until happens. Until play ends. Yeah. Yeah, play yeah, ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In future ball, it is implied through the filmmaking that when the clock runs out, the game is just over, which Everyone is why. Everyone just walks immediately off the field. Yes, yeah, C. Van yeah. D does his flip and puts it into the end zone. Yeah. And from that, like we see the clock tick down and implies that that's not how the... So I'm just sort of wondering why Future Ball has that rule. We'll never know. David, it, what my, is the answer? My, number one guess, Paul Verhoeven doesn't really know much about American football. But, I, uh, I think the answer is that Ben's the commissioner of Future Ball and he's yelling, keep it moving. <laughs> Enough of this already. So they they all sign up for the military. Yes. Uh, Carl signs up to be uh, like I guess he wants to be an intelligence officer, but he gets uh, what's it called? Um, no, it has a cool name. Games and games, oh, games and theory. And, right, theory. Yes, right. games and theory. Where they're like, <gasps> which basically means he's like a member of like 
yeah. MI6 or right, the exactly. SS. Carmen's or, very right, focused yeah. on the idea of being a pilot. So she gets to be a pilot. Johnny Rico's parents hate that he's thinking about joining. Johnny Rico, who is rich, very you see, rich. like lives in splendor, and he yes. got into Harvard. And his yeah. dad's which, gonna send him to Zagma Beach. Yeah. Right, which is like some space beach. I've always wanted to go there. It's on the outer ring, Zagma <laughs> Beach. Right, he says it with appropriate longing. But but his parents dismissively tell him, you're only joining because you want to see her. You know, she's going to look good in a uniform. Which is true. Right. Yeah, right? I mean, yes. that is the and movie's And immediately they get that. separated. Yeah. Immediately they get separated because he gets um, uh, just picked to be a grunt. Mobile yes. infantry. M- and I love M- that I. the guy behind the desk is like, mobile infantry made me the man I am today. And he's got a robot arm and no legs. Yeah, yeah. he rolls out. It's a very yeah. Paul Verhoeven joke of like, yeah. mobile infantry made me the man I am. And then it like pans down to his no legs yeah. and his robot hand. Uh, and that is, of course, Robert David Hall from CSI, who okay. is famed for only having one arm, and he's missing an arm in both his legs. Yes. Can we go through his uh, filmography? Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> selected filmography <laughs> includes uh, The Littles, uh, the Littles, which was an animated television series. Uh, he was in three episodes of L.A. Law. And what am I saying? Oh, my God. Adventures in Color City 2. <laughs> The markers are here. <laughs> 326 <laughs> episodes of CSI. I mean. What does he play? He's like the, you've never seen CSI? No, I don't think I've ever seen an episode. He's like um the like the lab guy. You know, he's like the guy okay. in the lab. Um, but you'd always, uh, you know, uh, you'd watch it with your uncle or whatever. And he'd be like, fun fact about that guy. Missing three of his limbs. Well, my sounds uncle like doesn't you, even own a TV. Sounds like so. you'd watch it with your uncle. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so, I've never watched it with your uncle. Don't, don't make these assumptions. He's a fun guy to watch okay. uh, procedural television with. What other films have you watched with your uncle? <laughs> films, very rare. Usually it's TV. Nice. Uh, but you know what? We did watch Howl's Moving Castle together, and he was baffled. Mm. Yeah, please tell me more. And he's like, okay. oh, David the Buffalo Boy. No, no, he's American. He's an American. Because I don't know if anyone knows, but... Uh... I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. I just sound like that. I brought it up, does it? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe you're trying to get us. Maybe you're prodding us us into saying you want us to bring it up. David's got a smile creeping across his face because he knows it's sort of true. So after the recruitment (laughs) process comes Uh the next part of any great military film, right? Boot camp. Boot camp. Yes. With? Ooh, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Mr. Krabs himself. The best. Yes. uh, Playing uh, Sergeant Zim. Uh Uh-huh who has my favorite line in the book. Oh, I looked it up. My favorite line. This is this is my favorite line in the book. If you wanted to teach a baby a lesson, would you cut its head off? Of course not. You'd paddle it. There's circumstances where it's just as foolish to hit an enemy city with an H-bomb as it would be to spank a baby with an axe. I've just always thought about that line. That's in the book. This is probably where Paul Verhoeven's throwing the book. Yeah, the he's like, I'm done with this. Yes. Now, in making this movie, they had Dale Dye come aboard. Uh, who's that? Dale Dye is this guy that runs this company. Oh, sure. Uh, I see him. Yeah. He's a, he's a tough army man. Yes. And exactly. That's him. You know what his nickname was, right? When he was in the troops? Uh, the friendly man who's nice. The hero of Color City. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dale Dye's in the movie, actually. Is he? He plays the uh, like top, top general guy who gets removed from his podium oh sure oh yeah interesting role for him to take because that, yeah. that guy kind of is the, the you know the screw up he's right. the but anyway sure and so Dale Dye he takes the whole cast of Wyoming for like it's like something like 11 days and they go through a whole boot camp with, with the main cast 
Um, but they also, he took two of the, like, so he hand-selected all the extras, I uh-huh. believe, and he took two of the extras and had them come to the boot camp. And then they became, like, platoon leaders. Sure. So during the movie, and it's very funny in this behind-the-scenes documentary, um, what's his name? Busey. Jake uh, Busey. Jake, Jake Busey. <laughs> Sonic like, Gary. He was like, it was crazy. And then, you know, we came back and we had to be among all these civilians. And we were just like, oh, we've just been through a lot. And so, like, they all felt like they were in the military. Right. And these two extras, they became squad leaders of the groups of extras. So they were sort of directing background. Yeah. Yes. And so there's, like, stories from the set where all the extras would be in formation, like, jogging to meal breaks. That's so crazy. And these extra yeah. leaders would be like, up four, let's go. Like, like, yelling at them as they jogged along. Sure. And so apparently the entire set just felt like a military Love thing. It. Love it. Because of this. And this guy, the entire movie, if you see the behind the scenes stuff, he's like directing next to Verhoeven, like yelling at people, giving them direction. Like, like I, I he will sort say, of directed yeah. that whole, like the scene where they all take the oath together. Right. Like you see in the behind the scenes thing, like this Dale Die guy, like yelling to everyone there, like, this is your oath. You must did it like going nuts. Th- I love that it. stuff is really well done in I this movie. I love it. It's yeah. This is also a boot camp we meet our good friend Ace Levy, the wild man. Yeah. Oh, what a wild man he is. The palest citizen of the Federation yet. Yes. He played a lot of uh weird albino guys. I feel like I've seen a couple movies where Jake Busey they just lighten his skin tone half. Right. And uh yeah, but he's he's a very pale man who looks like uh, his father, Gary Busey. Uh, yeah, I think of him. What, what, the other big Jake Busey role I think of is the terrorist in Contact. What else is he in? Right, which he's albino in that. Am I, I wrong? Right, least, that's the one I'm thinking of. I think of. that's what they're leaning uh, on. But yeah. he's also, he's the killer in The Frighteners, a movie I always yes, really love. Yes, right? yes. yes. Uh, he was in, of course, we all remember the sitcom Shasta McNasty. Right. Which he starred in. But this was a period where he kind of was being tapped as a guy, but he was playing a lot of heavies and psychos. Yeah, it's... And then this was trying to position him as like the fun psycho. Like he's the right. fun loose cannon wildcard guy. Like he's in a, a more conventional guy. movie, this is the character that 10-year-olds like. I guess so, but I think it would be also easier, easy for in this movie for him to just be the bully. Right. Yes, because he he yeah. starts the bully as he cuts in line. Yes, and this then is the first he's time just we like, see Casper. Eh, uh, Rico, I like you. You know, like yeah. immediately the tension is broken. Yes, um, yes. yes, we see the scene. True. We see the scene which is very Verhoeven, where um, Zim is like, like to start in the boot camp. He's like, "Who here thinks they can take me out?" Right. Yeah. And yeah. like some big corn-fed guy is right, like, like uh, "I think I might be able to." Yeah. I think maybe I could, sir. And then breaks that guy comes out. Zim breaks his arm, and it's like this very visible break. It's yes. like yeah, it's, very violent, very yeah. fast, and like a wet wound around it too. Like right. he's bleeding, and his arm is completely thrown out of whack. Right. Yeah. And then Zim just like medic. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Exactly. Then Dizzy shows up, and then saying, "I heard this was the best." Right. And he's like. It is. And CVD flips out because he's like... He's like, you're just stalking me. Here. Right. Get off my Even back. though, of course, he's pulling the same move about with, you know, trying to chase Carmen around the Bandian. galaxy. Come on. Right. What's going um, on? Yeah. But, and she actually lands a couple kicks on uh, But then she, Zim she before gets, he takes take her down. it down. Yeah. But then she, nothing's broken of her. No. No. Uh, there's also the scene. Heart. Maybe sure. her heart Damn, is Griffin. broken. There's also the scene where he throws the knife uh, at Jake Busey's. That's hand. one of my favorite scenes. It's is pretty that great. They're doing. They're in boot camp, and he has this moment where Jake Busey's like, "Why do we got to learn all this knife throwing stuff? Like, listen, it's a nuke war. Which you is press actually, the button or you don't. Yeah, don't bring a knife to a nuke war. Is a pre- great line. Pretty, pretty good point by Jake Busey because yeah. I, I don't remember any uh, knives being thrown later in the movie. Pretty but effective. Then Zim is like put your hand on that wall and he does and he throws a knife through it and he's like, your opponent 
Your enemy cannot press a button if he does not have control of his hand. Well, that's a thing I love about this movie is they make it clear that their like healing technology is really advanced at right. this so point. Right, so he can really fuck you up. Right, so yeah. there's a lot of like really aggressive abuse at boot camp because it's like, well, as long as you're not in the battlefield, we can throw you in the back of tank but, for like a couple But there's days. one thing they can't fix. <laughs> yeah, guy getting shot in the head. You're donezo. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty gross too. No back to tank for that. No. And that's uh, when it starts, the movie starts getting very violent here. Yes. Yeah. Like we're oh, yeah. seeing people's heads explode. And and the movie starts feeling a lot like a, Robocop. A, like Robocop, yeah. but also simultaneously, um, and, and obviously along with the sort of propaganda stuff, but the way they present characters, the the moment with the helmet not working and all of that mm. feels very like nineteen forties, nineteen fifties American war movie. Sure, right. of course. Where yes, it's yes, like, yes. oh look, these three friends who get sent off to different parts of the war and all meet their new friends who all die around them. And then they're reunited at the end. Right, right. Except by the end of it they've become fascists. Yeah. Well, yes. Right. <laughs> Dean Norris almost kicks uh, Casper out of the military. True, Dean yeah. Norris, who is he's in uh, he's Total flappy Recall, face. flappy face in Total Recall. Uh, so another Verhoeven um, favorite. He's bringing in a lot of his guys, and, and Quato's in this too. Uh, yes, right. Yes. He's uh, he's the one who's going crazy on the uh, the base, right? right, on the the military encampment. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but that's I saw Verhoeven do this Q and A after RoboCop, and he was going to do a, a Starship Trooper screening right afterwards. And he said, my, my whole thing with Starship Troopers was I want to see if I could do a dual narrative. If there were two narratives at the same time. And the one narrative on the top is, okay, here are these very, very good-looking, sexy young people. And they are friends and they like each other. And they are going to go off and fight bugs and try to get back together. And the other narrative is they are all fascists. <laughs> yeah. So one way that he reinforces the first narrative yes. is the group shower scene. Yes. Uh, which is doubles as a scene where they all kind of explain like their basic what motivations for being in the which military. Which also feels very 1940s war and, movie. Right. It except like up, it their sets up boobs the and dicks are all that. Right. Sets up the fascism too because yes. the one person's like, oh, I want to have kids and it's easier to get a license. I love yes. that line. It's easier to get a license if you're a citizen. Yeah. Um, but also he said that he felt like people didn't get the locker room scene in RoboCop. <laughs> So I need to double down to show like she it doesn't sexual harassment doesn't exist anymore. And the fa- the famous sort of story of the making of that is yeah, so he is nude while he directs it. The yeah. actors would not do it, and then he, he agreed that both him and his DP yeah. would get naked. And weird thing that I learned is that his DP grew up in like a nudist place, and so oh weird Verhoeven was like sort of on the fence about being naked yeah, and right. then his DP what's his name again Jost Vacano yeah Jost Vacano he was already like he was like starkers. naked the moment yeah. it happened <laughs> there is a funny thing I mean there's like a double standard thing here because of course like you're seeing a lot of breasts and there's not a dick in sight and they even do some very careful like Austin Powers yeah. blocking where there's a moment where like deep in the shot and like part of that is like okay we're at medium shots we're like above the yes. waist whatever but there's a part where in the deep background you see a sleevey uh, yeah. and mm-hmm. and he the the bar for like the shower. Yeah, they right. basically are kind of blocking his right. his his. They're like, lower see, half. nudity's fine. Everything's fine. Just boobs. No wieners. You're not going to get a peek of the boobs peen in this movie. Boobs and butts. Ain't getting a peek of the peen. Yeah, this is true. But everyone's talking about what drew them there, and Dizzy kind of she she outs Johnny Rico. She here says, "Here for a girl. Here for a girl." Johnny Rico gets upset. Busey's like, "Was it? Yeah. Was it you?" And she sort of goes like. Yeah, I do think this is an example of a scene that is like very winky winky dialogue, very like 
presentational In information. Quotes, right. And it feels like a propaganda film. And it feels like one of those scenes that in retrospect was like Verhoeven very clearly being like, yeah, this is like 1950s because we were like, right. so what had you sign up? And someone's right. like, right. I'm here because of this. I'm here because right. of this. I'm career all the way. Right. right. This, this scene is almost a satire of the scene in an ensemble right. movie like this where everyone has to give like 2% shading to their character. Exactly. So you care about them when they're on the battlefield, but it's so transparent and so overly done. So after the shower scene, yes. uh, there's the live fire incident where the guy You're gets You're going to have to say off. that in every Paul Verhoeven movie. <laughs> after the <laughs> shower much. scene. Uh, the guy gets his head blown off. Um, Rico gets flogged. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which is, again, not a scene that is played for not violence. No, you're, you're missing a big scene, though. Which? Which is Carmen breaks up with Rico over yes, video Yes, Carmen conference. sends him a, a CD-ROM Dear John letter. Yeah. <laughs> a Dear yeah. John CD-ROM. Right. And Ace uh, Levy, which he watches in his he plays lock. the fiddle. I mean, yeah. Ace Levy's neon green electric violin. Yes. Electro fiddle, uh, yeah. yeah. Which he plays then and he plays later after He only like, plays it later. The first time he's got right. a real wooden fiddle, they upgrade him oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, later right, right. celebration scene. Right. I command yeah. that you party. It's yeah. just wild. But anyway, uh, you're right. Yes. yes. Carmen breaks up with him with the sort of like uh, the first the shot of her next to Jupiter. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so and everyone's weird. going like, woo! And then there's the moment where they all realize it's a break right, video no, and they no, back no, the fuck no, off. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's now gotten matched up with dickhead McGilligutty. Yeah, she, we, that's true. There are some brief scenes with Carmen like learning right. to fly. Her and Amy Smart and this guy who had been creeping on her at the death ball game. Xander. Is now her superior is the one who has to teach her to fly, except she's pretty much got it. Yeah, like she's, she's got she's it. Got, she's a pro. She's got a knack for this. Right. Um, yeah, she doesn't really have a lot of like conflict to overcome. She's just like really good at being a pilot. Yeah, and, and this guy is into her. Right. Um, but sort uh, of respects boundaries. Yeah, he's they don't get together. Uh, a little bit. He's he's a creep, but he also is like he has that shitty like she'll come around eventually kind of arrogance. Right. Um, um, but uh, so after the live fire incident and the flogging, right. he Rico's out. He's, he's going to wash duty. out. So he goes to Skype his parents. Goes to Skype his parents and then what? what's that in the background? Oh my oh, god, it's also, getting dark. We skipped over earlier. Uh, Ed Newmeyer is executed, the writer of the film. Oh, oh, he's the um the he's the, the, guy. the the the, uh, the murderer yeah, in the, the murderer. propaganda video in the propaganda video. Who it's like it's like watch the execution live tonight, all network six p.m. We missed another thing, which is Johnny Rico is reprimanded by a pro- a public flogging. Yes, which you know that fucking Verhoeven loves that he got the most Aryan guy in the world getting whipped by like a huge black man. Right. Like, the movie very pointedly is just like, fuck everything. Yes. Um, but now he he wants to go home to his parents. They go, of course, honey, wait, what's that shadow? Boom, Buenos Aires is gone. Right. They fired an asteroid at them. What were you pointing at me for? Your Ace Levy line. What about my it's Ace funny Levy how they always want to be friends with you after they tear your heart out. Weird line. Rip your guts out or whatever. Rip your guts out, yeah. Um, so now Johnny Rico, he's he's got investment. Because yes, right. he, it's now, it's about revenge. Because it's, Parents never he knows dies. Yes. On the video conference where he tells them he's coming back home. Yes. He's from Buenos Aires and he says, kill them all. Now, here's the thing I think this movie does. That's I'm from Buenos Aires and I say, kill them all. Really interesting narratively. We have this scene where Dickhead McGillicuddy is helping. Xander. Okay, Xander. McGillicuddy. Xander McGillicuddy. Xander McGillicuddy is Xander helping McGillicuddy. Xander McGillicuddy. Ben just seems... We're an hour and a half in, just FYI. Okay, cool. So we only have two hours left to go. Um, He's helping her steer the ship, and they start scratching against the top of that 
asteroid. They're trying to... Right. You, there's an asteroid incident, and right, they have to get out of the way. It knocks out the communication tower. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Which, uh, just so you guys know, the asteroid was a co-production between ILM and Thunderstone, the Sony effects department. Oh, hey. And they had different asteroids. So you actually see it change slightly in its look. Some of them look better. Than What's others. your point about the asteroid? Well, so they're trying to, to uh, you know, disrupt the trajectory of this asteroid, yes, right? Yes. Roughly that's what they're doing. But in the process, she nicks it. No, no, no. The asteroid is thrown at them and they have to get out of the way. Right. And it knocks out their comm tower. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the bugs shot the The bugs have at shot them. the asteroid at them. Well, but have they? That's, well, yes, that is know. the question. I mean, the we question. are told the asteroids are like. being fired by the... the but right, of course, the movie there's is no... propagandizing us because it's saying there's right. no evidence. There's no visual of them like loading an asteroid into the gun or whatever. But you know, now like... there's justification for war. The bugs did this. We have to go get them now. Yeah, there's well, no question. And there's... You know, there's that yes, in the prop- yeah. the early propaganda video where they're like, well, there's an asteroid field around their planet, so that must be it. And, like, yeah. they never explain, like, how the fuck would an asteroid come from, like, one side of the galaxy to the other? Oh, like, they use their bug goo to shoot an asteroid. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense, but the movie never gives you any rebuke of that. And right. they do sort of hint at the fact that maybe this is just not related. Yeah. That's no, they my, hint that's it. Yes, guess. no, that's yeah. what he's, And right. so, finally, like, halfway through the movie, I guess, yeah. like, probably an hour in, yeah. is the invasion of Clendathau. Right. which we saw oh, right well, at the beginning Cl- of the Clancy movie. Clancy Brown rips up his resignation. Yeah, they it doesn't let look him like rejoin. your signature to me. And now he's all fucking in. Johnny Rico is from Buenos Aires, and he's here to kill Um, Yes, uh, exactly. And they invade Clendethau, and it is a total disaster. It is yes. horrifying. And, like, and what I like about this scene is that it is not played for laughs. It all. just sucks. Yeah. And like all these characters that we came to know just start getting killed. Yeah, just so like right fast. away. Like a nice red-headed lady right. who wants the kids. She yeah. gets like ripped Done. apart and uh, yeah. the guy with the little mustache. Out you know, here. like, yeah. Right. All these sort of background. And this is when characters. Johnny has his big heroic sort of moment on the tanker bug, right? When he gets on the back of the bug. No, 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 no. No, that comes no, later. That's okay. later. No, that's no, later. There is no heroic moments in this This movie, is, right, right, right. This one's all just... It's, it's, it's at They're losing and they run away. It's at night. Johnny gets, as you said earlier, he gets... Bugged in the leg. Right, so they got to throw him in the tank for a couple days. And he's reported killed in action. Um, But it's just a disaster. But Carmen is heartbroken. True. She's sad. She looks it up on the the grade screen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have this sort of same technology that uh, the Rebel Alliance did for Luke Skywalker. Yeah, back Back to the tank. Uh, And what I love that, though, where it's like after that 10 minutes of sustained horror, Mm -hmm. and it's like he's KIA and Carmen is sad. I mean, not, yeah, Carmen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you cut to him in the Bakta tank getting his like leg ri- rewritten yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Dizzy and uh, Ace oh, look you're dead like, oh, yeah. you're dead ha <laughs> ha like thumbs up and right. she like kisses the tank and it's like how are they not just like completely shell shocked right and then they're also like only three days left and I was like my God. Yeah, he's in there for three days. And he seems awake. But that's his weird strategy of these movies. Where, like, all the action sequences are horrifying, and the rest of the movie, they're completely unaffected they're by the like, horror they've witnessed yeah. because the film has to function as. I mean, I think, you know, video. at the end, yeah. after Michael Ironside dies, you know, he's shaken up and he's mad and he gives Carmen yeah. attitude. Remember that? You they, know, like, they certainly there's get certainly, there's more that concept of the, like the infantry have yeah. to sort of see the battle and the, you know, the, the sky. Right. And, the when, pilots and don't. when the three yeah. of them are reunited, they're all kind of, he's, they're all bloody. He's cranked and... down their charisma even more yeah. from their neutral. <laughs> well, Neil Patrick Harris, I feel like his, we'll, I was going we'll to say, he's him. the one guy who I think actively plays the sort of trauma and the deadness behind the eyes yes. and all that. The other guys are just kind of doing I mean, less. 
He's a better actor. He's a much better actor. Yes. He does that really well when you get him reunited with them at the end of the film. Um, okay, so he gets out of the tank. His leg is good as new. Um, right, so uh, what, what comes right out? I mean, I, I think guess that's the fight. This is, is, is the fight this next. Is, the fight where he fights with uh, Xander, but that's very McCulloch- brief. McCulloch- More importantly, it's that they get assigned to the Roughnecks. Right. Most importantly, they all get tattoos that say death from above. Oh, yes. True. Right, and they get assigned to the Roughnecks, and this is when he meets Sugar Watkins, everyone's favorite character, Sugar Watkins. Played by Seth Gilliam of The Wire. My brother. Uh, great actor. My brother, Jamesy, who loves The Wire. I still have never watched The Wire. Worth, I know I'm a bad, worth watching. a bad adult. Mm-hmm. But he tried to sell me on watching The Wire, where so many people had unsuccessfully tried to go, well, it's it's this good, it's, uh, you know, all of this, it represents the world. Right. James was like, Sugar Watkins is in it, you would love it. And you were like, mm. It was the closest I've ever come to watching The Wire was knowing Sugar Watkins was part of the cast. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, but The Roughnecks is the, the baddest group of mobile infantry on this side of Clandathu. And they would they, die for their leader. Don't say anything bad about him. Exactly. And who is it? I hear. I and even C. Van D. says like he's like I heard your leader's a hard ass. He gets punched in the face. Yeah, it's by like, a woman. Yeah, and she's like she's like he saved my life. And then everyone's like he saved my life too. My life. And then okay, everyone stands saluting. Here comes the guy down the aisle. It's our old buddy Mikey Ironside, new metal hand. Yes, he's civics got teacher and iron side. True. Yes. And he's now rejoined the battle. Yes. Uh, he And he's only got one leader role. of the Roughnecks. One role. Everybody fights. Nobody quits. And if you don't do your job, I'll kill you myself. We're, the, ru- we're I, the Roughnecks. Whatever his name is, Roughnecks. Rico's Roughnecks. No, no, no. Oh, the, oh at uh, that point, Rack they Jack's, say. Rack uh, I believe his name Rack is. Jack's. Yeah. yeah. Um, they become so, Rico's Roughnecks later. That's then, the arc of so, the Roughnecks. So we saw earlier the invasion of Clendatha, which mm-hmm. is the bug home planet. Yes. Then we see them go to planet P, mm-hmm. which is the, the one that uh, I think I know where it was shot. It was shot in uh, the Badlands of Wyoming. Okay. Uh, you know, the crazy sort of deserty, mountainy place. Yeah. yeah. So this is the only time we actually do see the bugs are on other planets. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, like, yes. And there is this sort of vague notion that like the bugs have colonized a lot of worlds and the humans want to colonize the galaxy. You know what I right, mean? And right. it's like, so maybe that's the actual issue yes. here is like both civilizations have sort of expanded. Maybe the bugs more naturally or maybe, you know. This movie's about a real estate battle. Because we see the the Mormons uh, tried to found like new right. Joseph Smith land or whatever and they all get like ripped to shreds. Right. Uh, which is shown to us. So it's like they're trying to reinforce like don't break the rules. Like, right. You'll be bloody corpses. Um, anyway, just some world building shit. And then they get to Clandathu. No, not Clandathu. Planet no. P. Planet P, I'm sorry. And that's where uh, that's where the... Um, you know, the, what do you call it? Tank bug or whatever? The big, yes, the yes. Big that's tank where bug. he has his big and he heroic has this moments. big moment that they could obviously then put on every TV station and then. Well, and, yeah. and the appearance of the tank bug was like, that Amazing. was like the money shot in the trailers. Yeah. Right. And it like shooting the flames right. and all that. But that thing and then when you he see jumps the movie on its back, yeah, 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 grenade, right. right. And, yeah. But the movie you see it and it's like, oh yeah, the flames like burn people in half. Yeah, terrifying. Right. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. And you see a lot of the aftermath of the bodies. Like these sequences end with some sort of triumph, at least a momentary triumph. And then you're like reinforced with like, hey, look, look at these decapitated. Right. They show you all burnt, the dead bodies. Split always. That's what, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And for every like Rico, Johnny Rico, that's put in the back of the tank. Yeah. 
there's just like hundreds of bodies strewn about. Yeah. In fact, like yeah, Carmen says like they there's so few wounded. It's irreparable. all they're right, almost right. all dead. Yeah. Right. Everyone's yeah. dead. And then like yeah, they walk earlier. Carmen walks through like the like hospital wing or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like people without limbs screaming as blood flies everywhere, and she seems unfazed by it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they love killing bugs. Yeah. They're happy to be citizens. So Planet P is where they come upon the uh, what the outpost thing. Yeah, the yes. outpost that's been like swarmed. Which is one of the great scenes, action scenes, I think, of all time. It's so good. It's the like, sort of it's like the tower defense. Scene. Right. It's helm it's helms deep before. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna jump back in time here and say this is that uh, I spent a lot of time as a young child over at uh, my buddy Mike Hart's house. Love playing, it. That's a Mike Hart. Love it. Great playing Mike Starcraft Hart. two. Uh, uh, Starcraft two, not Starcraft one. Uh, no, Starcraft one. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Starcraft, Starcraft two came Star- out when we yeah, were no, grown. No, no. Starcraft one. I've yeah. never played Starcraft two. It's Starcraft good, one. But I used to play a lot of Starcraft one. On Battle.net, there was a, you could create custom games. Sure. One of the custom games was called Starship Troopers, and it was this scene. Right. Where you were cool. inside a thing. The, the Zerg and, in Star Trek are very bug-like. Exactly. I mean, they are, yeah. they're, they're the same thing. So Not the to unit be confused with the evil Emperor Zerg from Toy Story 2. Nothing but respect different. for my Zerg. Well, I don't know. I don't first with that. It always bothered me if they called them that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, because StarCraft got it first? Yeah, it was weird but to me. But did they? Because isn't Emperor Zerg mentioned, mentioned in the first, in the first story, one? So they. Starcraft the video game the came from out. The evil Emperor Zerg. But let's do the math on Starcraft this. the video game came out in 1998. Wow, it looks like their faces Ooh. are red. <laughs> wow, <laughs> looks like Ben's face is red at fury for how long this episode is. Too long. Uh, ben looks like a man who's walked a thousand miles. Ben, any intermission thoughts? <laughs> now, that intermission hit, thoughts? now that we've hit the exact middle of the podcast, yeah, we're just gonna hit a quick intermission. Okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Uh, let's let me take a look at my notes. What do I got here? Um, oh, hey, we forgot this. There's the best line reading of the movie. You're going on vacation. It's the father. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that is a great line. Yeah. I really like that. Oh, we're coming up on my favorite line. What's that? Please tell us. It's uh, once they they're exploring the outpost and they realize what the bugs are doing. They find a hole in a man's head. They do. Uh, not only do they find a hole, but then Michael Ironside sort of like brings the head. man's head over and uh-huh. he's like, what does this look like to you? Puts his head inside the hole. No brain. <laughs> no brain. Confirms the lack of brain. And mm-hmm. then says the line that is one of the greatest lines in cinema history. Yep. They sucked out his brains. Uh, yep. Uh, this they is, sucked his brains out is exactly. Yeah, they sucked his brains out. Hey everybody, J.D. Amato here just jumping in for a minute. Um, back in the War of the Worlds episode of the podcast, I did an interruption like this in order to provide some subtext, and the Bendusser was kind enough to let me do that again. Um, coming up, I'm about to do a Quado impression. And something you need to know about this episode is that from time to time, I'm reminded of the fact that earlier in the episode, Griffin threw up. So anytime I do a Quado impression, or anytime I just don't seem totally locked in, it's because what I'm really thinking about is the fact that Griffin threw up. And I'm wondering, is Griffin okay? Am I going to get sick? How come Ben and David aren't freaking out about this? And I'm just sort of in my head. So I just wanted to apologize. I'd been thinking about it for the past couple weeks and feeling bad. And it felt better to let you guys in on the subtext and let you know that I was in my head. Uh, I'm not like a total germaphobe, but the fact that Griffin threw up did sort of rattle me. And I figured it was just better to be honest and let you guys know. So anyways, sorry for the interruption. Back to the episode. Now you know. This is also the scene with Marshall Bell as the general of the outpost who's gone mad. He's yeah, right. hiding in a closet or something. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is the scene he's where... He's also hiding his quado under full armor. Yeah. He's hiding a quado. 
yeah, Quato's like, you must defend yourself. What a great tangent from just a couple of pros. Hey, anytime. <laughs> I'm here. Anytime you need me, throw to me, I'll give you a nice, warm tangent. Uh, we're going to step aside here for a quick podcast. It's called The Two Quattos. <laughs> it's me, Quato. And it's me, Quato. How are you today? I am well. How are you? Now, a brief podcast message from audible.com do you like audiobooks if so go to audible.com and use the promo code quato that's q all right that's enough. our guest today is nikki glazer <laughs> i don't know she's, she's a good podcast guest she's been on a lot of podcasts I don't know. do your nikki <sighs> no hello i am on, nikki, nikki glazer come on dave do your nikki Hey, it's me, Nikki Glazer. Not bad, actually. Not bad. Not bad. What was your show called? Uh, NS- TMI. NSFW, Not Safe for Work, wasn't it? I mean, you know, never forget Nikki and Sarah Live. Great TV show. Great co- correspondence on that one. Yeah, I forgot yeah. you were correspondent on that. I was. I was. That, not that, safe. That's that was supposed was to be the big career. one. <laughs> weird career. Weird I remember career. when you were on that. Yeah, you were like, yeah, career. we're going to ride this train all the way. I thought I was going to be. And you did. You yeah. rode it all the way. Like, you know. Yeah. Four segments over two right. seasons. <laughs> uh, it's a big get. So what's, it makes sense that aliens, mm-hmm. uh-huh, right, in this movie. That they, they are in this movie. That they're yeah. bugs, right? Yeah. Because like, you know, that, that whole dumb, like, you know. Like notion that like aliens are just like humanoid, big, like headed creatures. Yeah, bugs make sense because bugs kind of look extraterrestrial. Sure, they're gross, and they're they're adapted to live in environments we don't understand. They lack empathetic faces, and it would make sense that they would thrive. Yes, can I level a complaint, please? It's a design complaint with the bugs. Oh. Oh, this is the same design team that did. Tremors and Tremors 2. Sure. Okay. Oh, okay. And if you look up the walking bugs in Tremors 2, I feel like they kind of reuse their. I feel like they sort of reuse the aesthetic. Wow. wow. I can mm. see that. Here, let me try and find it. Uh, what should I look for? Tremors uh, Monster. I'm Tremors gonna, 2. I'm going to read a quote while you're doing this. Michael Ironside, who had read Starship Troopers, when Verhoeven. Yeah, you know, a little bit. It's got the same similar. beak. Yeah. I just found this and I want to read this. Michael Ironside, when Verhoeven asked him to be in Starship Troopers, was like, why would you make a fucking movie of Starship Troopers? I read that book. That's like fascist bullshit. And Verhoeven's response was, if I tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, then no one will listen to me. So I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everyone is shiny. Everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing fucking bugs. That's a great, great line. Right? I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I love him, and I love this movie. I do, too. So uh, they now know that the bugs— There's a brain bug. They, they, they get in your brain, you, brain, they control you. Yes. And it turns out the stress signal was false, and the bugs made them do it. Remote control. Right. But more importantly, in this tower defense, mm-hmm. two people die. Yes, they do. One, one rat check. Ironsides. Who, who kills who, him? Earlier in the film, CVD, Johnny Rico— because earlier in the film, he watches someone suffer. Yeah. And he goes, well, someone get captured by a bug and he Don't shoots him. Don't let me do that. Right. right. Shoots him if to spare happens, his life. Promise me that you'll kill me. So CVD does it. Kills, Both legs kills him. fucking axed off. Yep. And CVD, he hesitates, but he takes the shot. Which right. was always a question to me. Because it's pretty clear they have this thing that basically like rewrite your legs. Yeah. So the fact that he's like, no, kill me now. Sort of feels like, this seems survivable, man. Yeah. It's possible. I guess so. He's bleeding. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think he's worried about what's going to happen next. I think that's the bigger thing. He shows his fear in that moment. Yeah, for he's the guy who the was pre- He was presented to Rico as, like, unflappable. You know, here's a fucking right. hero. It's quite a moment. And in this moment, he's like, I don't want to be in this world anymore. Right. And then the thing that sort of sucks him down is this one of the bugs that comes, you know, the yeah. ground bugs. Sand bugs. Sand bugs come out. And our friend Diz yeah. launches a grenade right into its beak. Blows that thing asunder. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think past and future guest Emma Stefanski loves or hates this movie? I'm sure she loves this movie. A lot of bugs, but also it's very anti-bug. Yeah, but, but I secretly, think as long as there are bugs, she's on board. Secretly kind of pro Because she can like the bug. Yes. You know, even if the movie doesn't. Sure. She's um, a big bug fan. Loves bugs. Um, loves the bugs. Her. Nice shout out of Emma Stefanski's Thank bug you. love. Uh, which is an upcoming podcast on the Audio Boom Network. Emma Stefanski's Bug Love. Ben's producing uh, it, right, Ben? No. <laughs> hey, Ben, would you say that you're into our antics today? Would, yeah, it's fine. Would you say that you're having it? <laughs> are, you having, are you having any of it? I'm having some of the antics. What percent? Percentage-wise? Uh-oh, here we go. I don't know. Let's see. It's if I'm low. thinking about it as a pie chart, I'm going to say... Like a slice of just one slice. So about pizza pie, about fifteen. You know, maybe there's been a lot of action today. Yeah, there has been a lot of action, but it's a lot of me taking notes, being like, "Well, you're gonna have to cut that down." And yeah, it's like you're talking off. Wait, cut that down. Yeah, what are you talking? What's getting cut down? Slow it down. Stretch it out, baby. Let me know. We can do a we can do a tighter version of whatever the yeah. I can do another take. I'm an actor. You know what? Let's do another take of the Watto thing. You or mean no, Quado. Quado. Okay. What Definitely. if it's Wado and Quado? No, That's no, no. take two. Okay. Okay, ready? No, Wado and the two Quados. We're both Quados, you're Wado. No, I'm not involved. And remember, you're going to be okay. Nikki Glazier. You're the host now. I'm Wado here with my two Quados. Uh, Quado, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm fine. I'm Quado. Hey, uh, the Quado, how are you doing? I am doing okay. Oh, and wow, of course, Italian Quado. Of course. Yes, you know that. We've done this show together for now, years. Now, to be, I mean, here's one question. Yeah. Italian Quado and Wario, not very dissimilar, right? It's like, me, a Quadio. <laughs> same basic yeah, DNA. Quadio is a different character. Like That's if Quadio was separate. Italian, he's just Wario. Correct. <laughs> All right, good. Thank Quado, you. Quadio, Wado, Wario, and, and that, a bit. And that sums up today's podcast of Too Many Italians. <laughs> Quattario. <laughs> Excellent. 500 comedy points. You brought it around, Jade. Uh, wow. What, what a uh, What else do you have to retake episode. here, Ben? We need some take twos on. Can our promo code... Uh, for all future ads, be Quitario. <laughs> and but we don't tell them how to spell it. And if you get the spelling right, you get the discount. And if but not, if you do, uh, if you spell it wrong, the wrong versions actually add more money. Yeah, it's more expensive. You have to pay for the discount that others are getting. You have to pay the difference. Quitario. That'd probably be a net profit for the companies. They'd probably be into that. I mean, look, our listeners love Russian roulette, and that's what we're selling them right here. What, ben, if a what do you want to, what do you want to take to you by two on? What else do I need to take two of? Uh, more table raising. Okay. Do you need oh, a puke damn. Again? That was good. Oh, wow. JG just went low. <laughs> no. D- oh, they no. went high. See? We just learned a lot there. Get low. Optical illusion. Uh, they went um, high. You thought we went low. So after yeah. uh, Dizzy dies, I'm, I'm sorry, but we have to finish. It's, <laughs> it, it's crazy. I just need to puke five more times. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> okay. Uh after Dizzy. Remember that? Remember when I puked in this episode? Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. Feels like it happened a thousand actually, years ago. Can I get another take at that, Griffin? No. Yeah. No. no. It feels Please. like it happened two miniseries Please, ago. Yeah, that's Please, how ben, it no. feels. Yeah. That's correct. Also, that is how long ago it feels. Can I point this out? <laughs> and it happened during the fucking Eisenhower administration. <laughs> On the 12-hour day subreddit. Yeah, right. Your 12-hour podcast. Let's shout out the 
course, podcast of course. where every episode's t- literally 12 hours yeah, long. Yeah, and you get how that happens now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was someone that was, someone was like, oh, if you like this, you should listen to Blank Check. Okay. And then some respondent was like, no, it's too negative. I tried, and they're, 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 they're too negative about movies. This has been a very positive episode. We fucking love movies. We're, we're negative? I think yeah. this person just maybe listened to a, a, a negative episode. Sure, yeah, if you sure. listen to like, the episode? fucking Elizabethtown episode only. Sure. We, right. on the balance, talk about a lot of movies we love. And even when we talk about movies that are bad, we cite a lot of things we like about them. Agreed. Yeah, I don't think of this as a particularly negative podcast. Something good in every movie. Yeah. I love movies. Hey. Not touching you. <laughs> you threw up two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> you threw up. In the last few days. You threw up. Time is now a flat circle, but it was definitely somewhere on that circle. You threw up 45 minutes into our podcast, and that was two hours ago. So, so Dizzy is dead. Dizzy dead. She doesn't come back. No. Oh, but, but also. They bury her. I'm sorry. They space bury her. They had, they had a little bit of space. Michael Uh, Ironside demanded that they have a party. It's an order that you have fun. He brings out kegs. He brings out a and neon finally, green space fiddle. He does. And he finally says, gives some worthy advice to Rico. And he has which some is like, space balls that he gives out to people. He gives for out some future balls, balls. Some future yeah, balls. Some future balls. True. But, but he's, he like, says, he's like, Dizzy likes you, like essentially, you know, don't, 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 don't pass turn up down, a, don't pass a, good, up a good thing. Yeah. So he goes, they're going to start having the sex. And then Ironside comes in. He's like, ship up, shape out 10 minutes from now. And then he sees her under the blanket, goes, <laughs> make it 20. And he's, then there's you're, this, you're putting too much paprika on it. He's pretty. He's pretty. Make it twenty. Like he just sort of like sticks to his. There's the of, moment I love her. She comes out and they look at each other and he goes like, "Yeah, I can get it done in 20. And it's like, "Of course, you dumb teenager, you can get it done in 20. Asper, the friendly ghost, you yeah. can get it done. Yeah. So is this implied that this is him losing his virginity because he so. and Carmen never slept together? Did you know that Casper Bendian's first credit is the direct-to-video fantasy comedy Casper, colon, a, stu- a spirited beginning? Really? <laughs> yes. I saw that weird. Do you know that Casper Bendian is the CEO and founder of Casper Mattresses? <laughs> Don't say that, Griffin. <laughs> they actually I can should. say whatever they want. They should sponsor this episode. No. They should. Ben, get him on the horn. We're recording this months in advance. Right now, if Ben has done his job, we're going to cut to a Casper Mattress ad. Okay. If Ben did his job, we just had a Casper mattress ad. I'm from Buenos Aires, and I love affordable mattresses. <laughs> they suck their brains out of a box the size of a mini fridge. It's me, the 40-year-old Casper Van Dien. All right. Do your job, Ben. You know what um, I needed after uh, Starship Troopers 3 didn't take off? A good night's sleep. Okay. Shut up. What part should <laughs> hey, I? Hey, it's callback. It's a callback. It's a callback. It's a callback. So, so what part should I? Should I uh, no, no, pass no, along to Casper? We have to finish this should fucking be the, episode. The marker part of the the yes. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. like one of the highlights. And Tom, <laughs> you, you mean yeah, crayon? You mean yes. crayon? Oh, and Tom, okay. it's a hot one. Send them okay. the part where I go right. puke too. <laughs> <laughs> I recorded some field audio from the bathroom. Just tell, send them that. Tell the part of the podcast where one of the hosts leaves to throw up. I will say and describe. Do your job. Describes what he ate. Poutine. Bar poutine. I, I, I will say, JD, JD, what a, JD, what a bad up. episode. Why did you, where, where, all right, here's the real, where did you have the bar poutine? I'm not going to say because I don't want to. You don't want to impugn. Sully their name. It's a good bar where I do a lot of shows. Okay, fair And enough. if you all live right. in New York, you can probably discern. Uh-huh. All right. Oh. Look, we're just going to, we're going to finish the episode. Okay. Dizzy's dead. She gets a funeral. <laughs> Dizzy's dead. There's so much. No, there isn't. <laughs> there is so much. No, there isn't. There's just one sequence left. Well, okay. no, yeah. I would say the thing that we did kind of pass over is that 
while this fight is happening, there's also all this stuff in space. Yeah. You right. know. And I think well, one element yes. that's cool bit. is that you have a bug that actually can produce a missile. Like yeah, it a, shoot. Yeah. It farts into space. It yes. farts yeah. into space like lasers. Yes. Yes. That shit's cool. I yeah. like that. I like and that stuff. That giant space. That's a part of the whole Planet P sequence where it's like right. we realize they saw us coming. Yeah. You know, that's the brain bug sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. The space ballet with all the ships. Those are all miniatures yeah. or quote unquote bigatures. Those are all they're really cool. Giant ships that they're animating around each other. Hashtag bigatures. Hashtag bigatures. But no, I mean, yeah. there's only one last sequence, which is the the brain bug. Well, they've reunited now. The three of them have reunited on like a space base. Well. Um, Carmen and Xander rescue uh, the other guys from the 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 tower defense. And Xander becomes wise to the fact that Rico's the one who led this mission, so he's still alive. And he says to her, he tells her about it. They they reunite, but now Rico's like pilots, right? You know, right? He's, he's like, we yeah, we dead. do the die. He doesn't have emotions anymore. He's pretty sad. I mean, it's a sad moment. Dizzy right. gets impaled, right? And uh, Ironside gets bisected. And Neil Patrick Harris looks genuinely broken. Well, right. Then he, right, because he shows up and he's the one like, look, I have to make these decisions every day like right. where I send people off to their deaths. And this is also a moment that is like a very clear move. He walks in and like a Gestapo. Yeah, he's now Nelson. wearing a black uniform that is and like, like dark bags around his eyes. Right, right. And, and it's like a a black yes, duster. A duster. Right, like yes. it looks like the SS like uniform. And you realize like, oh, this has been one year since that scene where they literally put their arms around each other and go like, we'll be friends forever. Right. Promise no matter what happens, and wherever we are in the galaxy. And he's got no laughs about him. No. And like even like um Johnny Rico is like they're they're like upset that they're gonna be yeah. sent back in possibly to die. And he's like mad and he's like this is the decisions i have to make every day and it's clear it's clear that he's seen some shit in and, the past like and, year yes. and even when they say like look at us the three of us back together again it's so joyless yeah there's he's, no emotion he's really good in those final really scenes. good because yeah. his eyes do look like all sunken and kind yes. of haunted yeah. and he's like talking fast in a way he, he right he's like divorced all emotion yeah. out of yeah. his yes. like it's, life it's clear yeah. that like the past year of his life has been sort of a living hell of having to make these impossible decisions. Right. It's a very canny performance because he's got to sell a character arc that's happened entirely off screen for the last hour plus. And he does it just from his body language. And he, this was his sort of... This is the yeah. beginning oh, yeah. right. of his comeback. Of it's not real. Burn. Because like, I f- obviously his real comeback, would you agree, yes. is Harold and Kumar, right? No, that, his real comeback is Undercover Brother, which tees him up for Harold and Kumar. He's, he's so fucking great in Undercover Brother. Brother. But like, that's where... People are like, oh yeah, Neil Patrick Harris right. like seems self-aware. This like, seemed like a reclamation project when Verhoeven put him in this. This is yeah. 97. Yeah. Undercover Brother even isn't for another five years yeah. and Harold and Kumar's two years after that. He starts that. doing so a lot like, of musicals. Yes. Right. He starts appearing. He was a, like a replacement cast member in Rent uh, yeah. in 97. So around the yeah. same year, I think on the tour. He did Sweeney Todd in San Francisco. He did Proof. He starts like Assassins is until 04, Assassins right? is oh four. So that was like yeah. part of his whole like Neil Patrick Harris is back, baby. Yes, because How Many Your Mother is oh five. I think. Yeah. Do you know what they called him on set when they were filming uh, of Starship Troopers? Yeah. What Doogie Himmler? It's <laughs> pretty funny. Truly, it's true. Yeah, I think that's really funny. Yeah. Yep. I give the entire cast and crew of Starship Troopers ten comedy points to divide amongst themselves. You I know agree. what? I should be more generous. Five thousand because it's a large cast and crew. Good job. Thank you. So. Final sequence. They go down to this planet where they go, they hear there's a brain bug, a brain yes. that's controlling all things. It looks like a a nutsack. It's like it looks like the the thing that Anakin and Padme ride in Attack of the Clones. Right. The big set piece is that uh, Dizzy and uh, McGillicuddy, mm-hmm. no, uh, Carmen <laughs> and McGillicuddy, they're they're shooting from the sky. The, the Roger Young explodes. Yeah. 
They escape last second. Yes. They try to land. Instead, they puncture through the mountain and they're in the center of the right. bug land. Yeah. Right. And they get bugged in the shoulder and dragged uh, around. Carmen gets bugged in the shoulder and then Xander gets brain bugged. He gets yeah. brain bugged. That's another cool practical uh, model. Like oh, his man. Like, head getting sucked dry. Yes. That's really Which good. is very total recall. It's like yes. the opposite very of the eye bug kind of Mars head and stuff. And the like brain bug is a practical bug. Although there are CGI versions of it, right? Because yes, like yeah. the one where they're like when they the have propaganda to move, when it has film. to walk and shit. Yeah. Well, sure, but there's also the propaganda film where they're like sticking things inside of it. That's definitely a CGI bug because it's got the weird like shimmery yes. uh, yeah. skin. Yeah. But the close-ups to the face are like right. this disgusting, it's awesome. gooey yeah. thing that this knife thing comes out of. Right. Uh, yeah, that sucks your brain. And it sucks his brain. Right. And it is like traumatic to look at. It's yes. messed up. Uh, Carmen walked- cuts it off. Carmen chops it off with yeah. the knife, yeah. which, hey, the knife came in use. Brought it to a nuke fight. You're right. Look at that. I take it, it back. back. I take it back. Good sorry. Movie. It's a whole uh, thing to call back. Uh, no, you're right. You sorry, uh, 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 Sergeant Sim. Sorry. Okay. I just wanted to apologize to the right person. Yes. Yeah. Apology accepted. Yeah. You're not Sergeant Sim. I'll, well, I'll extend well, it to him. Part, Sergeant Sim doesn't need your apologies. No, he's here. Hey. Because they, so Rico and his gang. Go Rico and, and his gang, they rescue... Carmen. They rescue Carmen. After Rico gets like a use the force moment. Yes. That yes. we are. Maybe that uh, psychic training uh, paid off. Maybe. Or maybe all. it was just Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Like, we learned later that yeah. Neil Patrick right. Harris maybe told him. Yeah. Right. Um, they uh, go back in. They, they s- rescue her who heroically sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. No. Who? Oh, Sugar Watkins. Our boy, Sugar Watkins. Right. Hero yep. of the movie. Sacrifice himself. Best character in and then, film. This history. is the moment that always. <laughs> Watch What's one thing he does? Sacrifices himself. True. Growing up, it always was weird to me. It bothered me. Is that it feels like our heroes save the day. They find the brain bug. She cuts it off. They come out. They're right. afraid. And they come out to everybody cheering and running. Right. And they're like, what's happening? And they're like, we caught the brain bug. Right. And so they run around. And who caught the brain bug? Our boy Zim. Private Zim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He accepted an emotion to yeah. get into the field. Yeah. But there's the great moment where Neil Patrick Harris puts his hand up to the bug so and shouts exuberantly. This is the, the final triumphant note of the movie. They're afraid and people cheer and they fully <laughs> dehumanize this enemy. They're they're getting their rocks off on the idea that they are harming these things. And Soon we will understand the bug. Yes. yes. And Carmen, them. C. Van D, Busey, yeah. none of them get the accolades. It's just sort of like, that's part of your duty. But there was not to get too heavy, but like that was a whole big part of the sort of propaganda machine of the Holocaust was like the Nazis going like, look, the Jews look worse than us. They're right. fucking disgusting, which is how they teach all these students about bugs in the class, going over how revolting they are, their processes, all of this. And then getting that hatred to a level where people actually get off on the idea of like, look at them crying. Look at this bug that's afraid, you know, it's like a really chilling ending. Yeah, yeah it's and great. there's in the middle. Yeah, they it's have great. That it makes me laugh a whole lot. Rules. Yeah, they have that thing where there's the kids stomping on regular roaches. Yeah, which is like messed up. Like these aren't even bad guys. Yeah, they right. just look like right. the things you. But hate. just get everyone into a mode of like hating the very look and feel of these things, whatever size they are, whatever their motivations are. You know what I got to do? What? <laughs> Merchandise spotlight. Okay, Wait, I'm but glad that it's not last, puke. What is? I thought that's what it was oh, going right. to be. Oh, me no. too. No, 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 never again. Never last again. line I, of the film. Yeah. Is in big text, it says, they'll keep fighting. Next page, and they'll win. 
and that's how the movie ends. Yes. Because it shows like Well, it's like, you know, you could footage. be like Amy Smart and you see Amy right. Smart or her captain, Denise Richards. This whole movie like, was an ad. You it could, was one big ad. Right. You yeah. could be like uh, Ace, you know, who's like yeah. running, you know, or, yeah. you know, Roughnecks leader, uh, Johnny Rico. And he's like, you want to live forever? Right. Like he's. You uh, could be like any on, one of you your apes. You want to live forever? Right. Five favorite characters from the history or of Or you film. could be like uh, Neil Patrick Harris, you know, and you see. Yeah. Like, whatever. You know, like, yeah. And then they'll keep fighting and they'll win. Uh, so this movie had an extensive toy line, which is weird because it's rated R and it's about Nazis. <laughs> it's super violent. But I think from the moment they signed on to make this movie, they were like, soldiers fighting bugs. It's an action 100%. movie about bugs, right? How can it not be a merchandising? And the 90s were the one decade where like this happened, where like fucking Terminator 2 had an extensive toy line. You know, like RoboCop had toys. Like, But, but this one's very, very bizarre because the characters in the movie, the human characters kind of are just action figures like they're just blank things that a kid holds up in relation to the bugs and they made all the bugs in different sizes and remote control ones and ones that were like micro machines where you got little tiny like centimeter humans oh i have really i have an interesting factoid not for now okay right after uh they're made by galoob which is one of those great companies that got gobbled up by hasbro there used to be like a bunch of great like kenner and all those companies that all got absorbed but the thing I really like about the toy line, they made a lot of the humans, which is weird because the human characters aren't like characters. Pretty interchangeable. But they do look like dolls. They do. But they sure. also redesigned all of them. Like the, the armor in the movie looks rad, but it was one of those things where they were like, we got to make it look more toyetic. I remember there being like a Johnny Rico Barbie kind of character that had like hair. I, I don't have that pulled up here. What have you got pulled up? But what I have, you I just, know what this episode isn't? Short. I know. I just want to read these names because they also add on to all of them like titles to make them sound more exciting. Uh, so there's uh, Toxic Raider Ace Levy. Right. In his uniform, of course, from that famous scene where he raids Toxic Waste bright green. Mm-hmm. They like made up different fucking outfits. Bug Thrasher Carmen Ibanez. Firestorm Johnny Rico. Mega Marauder Johnny Rico, Cyber Commander Sugar Watkins, and then Jetpack Ace Levy. They all have like uniforms, equipment, or titles that don't actually relate to the movie. That's, I mean, classic, classic. Classic toy line. Classic toy line. Done for a super harsh, fascistic, R-rated film. The film? Was there a video game, Griffin? Uh, Definitely. I never played it, but there definitely was one. Yeah, I mean, this is like a, this is a video game, essentially, in movie form. Right. Um, but I would be interested to play that. There was also Roughnecks, which was like the adult animated series. Yes. Right. Yes. There have been a few video games and a pinball machine. Oh. I remember the pinball machine. Uh, there's a film called Terran Ascendancy. Good title. Uh, sorry, game. Not oh, film. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, but uh, the film came out. It did it, what, did come out. Okay, interesting. November 1997. Uh-huh. Uh, was not particularly well received. No. And of course, you know, worth noting, this is the post Showgirls movie, right? So a lot at stake. Um, yeah, but I think also people Verhoeven will, now has a very, very tarnished reputation. Yeah, and people are their arms are crossed already. Uh, exactly. But that's I, right. That's what I'm trying. I to think say. their right. hope was that he'd have another straight down the middle box office hit at the very least, and mm. opened very big and then dropped really hard. Right. Uh, well, uh, let me see. I think its opening weekend was big, and it has substantial drop. 55% drop. Not a crazy. Didn't make it to 100. No. It opens to $22 million. Oh, is, I thought it was a bigger opening. Okay. No, I mean, it's pretty good for an R-rated movie in 97, yeah. though. I mean, that's sure. the equivalent of, why are you looking, Ben, of a $42 million opening now? So, right. you know, not great, but, but pretty good. the budget would be close to 200 now. Well, yeah. would it? Yeah, I guess yeah. it might. This I mean, was also quintessential 
VHS rental movies. Yes, it was. No, for sure. I mean, the film had a long life. And like early days of DVD, this was one that was like, oh, this is like reference quality. You see how much better DVD is? Right. It made 54 domestic 121 total. So, you know. Yeah. It uh, lost money. It lost money. Well, you know, not maybe not a calamity, but a box office failure. Wasn't it only like hundred million dollars? Yeah, but you need to make more than just over yeah, the budget worldwide. The with yeah. the, they made it back eventually yeah. through everything yeah. else. Yeah. They definitely wanted this to be much yes. bigger than that. They wanted this to be huge. Yes. They did, but at the same time, they released this, you know, hyper violent R rated movie. I mean, like yeah. I mean, I guess they're hoping for like a total recall situation, right. but like that movie starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. This, this movie stars not. Casper Van Dien. And they released it over Thanksgiving. They did. I mean, right, a couple weeks before right, Thanksgiving, sure. but yes. All right. So number one at the box office, Starship Troopers. Okay. Number two, jumping from number 15 as it goes wide. Oh, wow. A beloved comedy figure finally gets his movie. Bean. How did you know? It's amazing. I'll tell you why. Because I was distinctly in the other day in the shower thinking about the fact that they platformed Bean. I remember that vividly. The platforming of Bean. I don't know what's weirder. That Bean did well, yeah. or that they platform released it. Yeah. So, Bean, do you want to tell me how much Bean grossed in the United States? Uh, 50? 45. Do you want to tell me how much it grossed worldwide? 150? $251 million. Mr. Bean, on every international flight, it's what they play yeah. because it works in all languages. Of course. Well, and you know, the, the sequel, the long delayed sequel, Mr. Bean's Holiday, the yes. disparity is even greater because it's like 20 domestic, 250 yeah, worldwide. Yeah, it was 33 domestic, uh, 196 worldwide. Yeah. Yes, it made 14%. Oof. Yeah. That but America I mean, dropped the ball on Johnny English. I, Johnny English is Both of them. huge in, in England, though. Oh, my God. Did and they just announce they're going to do a third one, I think? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, like, Rowan Atkinson is like... I'm trying to think, like, what's, like, the most famous comedy person in America? Uh, probably Jake Busey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, and he can do no yes. wrong in Britain. I it's just love just, that he takes 10 years between each yeah. entry in his franchise. He just fucking chills out, yeah, man. He chills out. Okay. Um, Bean platform. Bean is number two. How do you I'll feel about Bean? Because you like time. Ernest. I feel like you like a lot of the 90s sort of uh, um, I, broad I, child comedy, you know, sort of genre. Well, I'll take offense to that because Ernest yeah. isn't broad. Ernest is actually a very specific film. Subtle nuance characterization. Subtle nuance. Okay. I would um, say the humor can be a little broad. I don't mean that in a bad 100%. way. Yeah. Mr. Bean, I love the classic stuff, the BBC sure. stuff, right. all that stuff. The movie right. demystifies the him a little bit. Always yeah. they try to add story. Here's what I honestly think. The best Mr. Bean stuff is sort of like Jacques Tati in the sense that Agreed. it's just of like course. which is what they should have made. Right. But that's what the sequel was trying to be, right? right. right. Yeah. The, the first one just like he goes on like, holiday. Isn't the first one like he goes to this Hollywood? Is this is my uh, uncle. This he is my moves brother. With American cousin. With Peter right. McNichol. And right. it's like there's this whole thing with Whistler's mother, the Burt painting. Reynolds plays in general. It's like, yeah. and like. There's like a narrative arc to Peter McNichol's character. It's like yeah. not what we and want. And the daughter has a narrative arc. Remember, because there's the boyfriend with the motorcycle. I they saw don't that film in theaters. I don't remember I it very saw it three well. Times yeah, in we just just send Mr. Bean to the beach and have him put on a funny uh, yeah. Funny He's in his weird in tweed suit way. and God knows yeah. what's going on with him. And and if you want to make some money domestically, platform it. It's very. You got to platform it. Number three. Yeah. Falling from number one the previous week. Okay. In its fourth week of release. Uh huh. Is a horror film. It was number one three weekends in a row. 1997? Oh, Halloween H2O? No. Interesting. But so it ran the table in October. Correct. It's not Scream 2? Nope. But, you know, it is a, you know, it's kind of a sister movie to those movies, I guess. I still know what you did last summer? Correct. I, it's just, oh, I the know original. What you did the last original. Summer. Okay. Yes. I know what you did last summer. Starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, J. Ryan J. Phillippe, R. P. Sarah Michelle Geller. 
SMJ. Freddie Prince Jr. FPJ. I just love that three of the four have a, you yeah. know. Three names. Yeah. Three, sort of three names. Ryan Philippe looks like a dickhead. Yeah, he looks like, like a goddamn idiot. dickhead. Which is a movie about a uh, fisherman Dian. with Should a big old hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casper Von Dien. <sighs> Number four is, why do I feel like we've talked about this movie before? I like this movie. I interesting. Is that a clue Ooh. or is that a surprise? Slightly I don't know. Okay. Uh, horror film, uh, but sort of like a classy horror, I guess, starring a very famous man. Classy horror with a famous man. A couple of young engineers. Is the whistle a clue? No, I'm no. trying to figure it out. Uh, Hellraiser 4, Hellraiser no, no, in Space. No, no, no. It's an Doug original Bradley film. It's very classy. If you remember, it's a class <laughs> act. How would you classy. describe this film? I mean, I can tell you more, but it would give it away. It's a very classy actor, but he doesn't usually do horror films. Classy, well, classy he's director. done it all. He's, he, this is the kind of leading man where he, like, he's nuanced. That's a note of sarcasm. Take take that with a grain of salt. Okay, so this this guy's kind of... He's, he's running wild. <laughs> he's running absolutely wild. Where is he at, at in his star arc at this point? Pro, like his third or fourth wave at this point. You know, he's a an Oscar-winning veteran. Okay, it's third or fourth wave. He's old at this point. Pretty old. I don't know. He's probably in his fifties or sixties, even. No, probably fifties. So he's already 50s. won that Oscar. It's a classy horror movie. He's yes. playing a but biblical I mean, like, I don't figure. Think, I don't think it's classy, but it thinks it's classy. He's playing a biblical figure. Yes. This is true. This is true. What fucking movie is? This? All right. Well, let me give you a further clue. Okay. It's also a legal drama. So it's sort of like a horror oh, oh, legal. Oh, it's the devil's advocate. Yes. The Taylor Hackford joint starring Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino, and Charlie's Theron. It, of course Ben likes that movie. What are you talking about? It's a little bit surprising. I don't know. Who what cares? even is that movie? I don't remember it at all. Uh, Al Pacino plays the devil. But he's a lawyer. And he's a lawyer, and Keanu Reeves works for him. He's the devil's advocate. Right, 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 right. Number five is a film that was banned in China. Banned in China because... It is set in China. And has some things to say about China. Anne and the King? Nope. I don't know if Anne and the King was. That, that's set in Siam. That's set in oh, Thailand. Uh, seven Years in Tibet? Nope, but good guess. Same same vibe. Yeah, I'm trying to think along those lines. 1987. Oh, Kundun? Nope. It's a hard movie to remember, this movie. And it was banned in China. You know, the other things that could get you banned in China are depiction of ghosts and yes. mixing live action animation. Yes. Do you know hybrid films are banned in China because it's unnatural? Right. Really? To have Michael so like Jordan Crimson and Daffy P- Duck on the same screen. Crimson Peak, I believe, was banned in Too China. Too many ghosts. Ghostbusters yeah. banned in China. Even if they're funny ghosts, mm-mm. No ghosts. No Weird. good. Very bad. Don't do it. Do you Why? know China has this thing where they, they like only ghosts. import like it's like eight movies a year? That yeah. used to be the thing. It's gone now raised it. It used to be eight. Up. Now, now it's now a it's lot. more. Yeah. Right, but still you'll have movies that try to appeal to Correct. China yes. in it. To get in there. Like what was recent, recently there? Oh, uh, they do it the all Martian. Time. Yeah. yeah. China has a big role in the Martian. Right. They, they There's fund, so many right. examples of that in uh, modern Hollywood blockbusters. Uh, Coco's done crazy well in China. It's going to probably be like the biggest animated film ever, American animated film ever in China, which is astonishing because the skeleton thing is really close to the ghost thing. I was going to say it's basically about ghosts. People are trying to figure out how the fuck But it's a Coco. spirit world, so I yeah. guess. Anyway. And the sense of family and tradition. Okay, wait. So it this is Jesus Christ. You may maybe you have never heard of this movie. I don't know. I probably have not. Uh it stars a very famous uh hunk who's now sort of in his like sexy gray hair phase, but he was an early gray hair. It's not the Connery one. No. Connery. What's that one? Uh oh no, that's Japanese. The um, Empire uh Rising, Rising Sun. Sun. Yeah. 
Um, historic- that movie is racist. Yeah, right. Uh, I was trying to think of movies that people wouldn't like. <laughs> this uh, movie is banned in China because it's like critical of the Chinese government. It's a mystery thriller. It's directed by John Avnet. Who's the actor? Richard Gere. Oh, I don't even know. I don't know. Infernal Affairs? No, mm-hmm. that is a Richard Gere film, though. I'm not, I'm not going to remember the name. Of Red that. Corner. Yeah, no, I literally would never have gotten that. Wow. Uh, it was shot in uh, Los Angeles okay. using elaborate CGI sets to create uh, China. I bet that holds up really well. Uh, okay, in- so Red Corner. The movie opens, and we find Richard... <laughs> no. He's a red crayon. He's a red crayon. Red, red Corner was not a big hit. Uh, considering all the brouhaha. Uh, so we've also got Boogie Nights. Oh. Uh, we've got Eve's Bayou, which is a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiss the Girls. Start of a major franchise. That's true. Um, Cross, Alex Cross. Fairy Tale, a true story. Oh, yeah. You don't remember that movie? Is that an animated film? No, it's a live action film about uh, these photos that were faked of girls interacting oh, with yeah, fairies yeah, yeah, that yeah, went yeah, viral yeah. in the newspaper at the time, but the movie posits that it was real. Gattaca. Harvey Cattell plays Harry. Houdini. I liked that movie a lot as a child. Full Monty. Harvey Cattell plays Harry Houdini. <sighs> what is it? Kaitel. I say Cattell. Kaitel. I think Kytel. I think he would say Kaitel and I say Cattell. Oh, cool. Cue card Cattell. He has cue cards. On I'd like to lot. share a final thought, if I may. Please, I oh, think please. we should wrap up this podcast. It's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, let's not rush anything. Yeah. Um, so you know, the running kind of theme. So my commentary is I like things wet. This okay? is true. You like a slick flick. A uh, this slick is like no-bits podcast. I really do like when movies are wet. I think Zero it's bits. cool. You I do. think it's an added feature. It's like, why right. just have a dry scene, make it a wet it's scene? It's obvious. Right. But I want to point out in this movie, I think it's got the best slime. Hands oh, down. Yeah. So many varieties. There's like orange slime, oh, green slime, yellow so slime. It's so yeah. sticky. It's, it's like just gag. visceral. Yeah. So I just want to say this because, you know, I'm always like trying to tell Hollywood what to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So CGI or no CGI, I don't care. I just want some slime in it. Okay. Some okay. real practical slime. I want you to get your actors all greasy and gross and nasty. That's that's my two cents. That's Ben's slime corner. Benny Ben's on the slime record. corner is done. Uh, we did the quado, the two uh, normal quado. That was uh, great. Breakouts. Spinning off. I need actually a. Do you mind just a third, third take? A take yeah. three. Sure. Any notes on this one? Um, do it. Um, make it longer. Okay, so this is this is Wado with two quados and Wario. Right and Nikki Glaser sure. too, which David will he'll be doing double duty. I'm doing triple okay. duty. I'm Wario as well. All right, great. And okay, go. Uh, this is the Quatario show with me, Wado, two Quados, Wario, and special guest uh, Nikki Glaser. Today we are talking about Starship Troopers. The film opens on a propaganda film. <laughs> And we see Casper Van Dien get bugged in the leg. 
that's been our show for the day. Uh, sorry for not having enough time to get to our other guests. Wait a second, wait a second. Apologies. I'm, this is me, Nikki Glazer. Yes, apologies to And then, and then to this Glazer. is me, the normal sounding Quado. Uh, how are you doing, normal Quado? And then I'm a Wario. I'm going to win. Uh, oh, well, so they, they not all today. Are. I beat you. The show is over. That was Nikki Glazer saying, so, so, so there they all are. Hey, let, let me Wado finish up the and show. And I'm okay? Nikki Glazer saying that that was the normal sounding Quado saying that was Nikki Glazer saying, so there they all are. Okay, I get it. Will you please let Wado? I'll finish up the show. Thank you all for listening. Yes, we Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Go to blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit about Blank Check, a different show. <laughs> this show is called Quado. Quatario. Quado. Uh, thanks to End for Gudo for social media for Blank Check. Thanks to Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for, social, for artwork for Blank Check. Uh, thank you to uh, Leigh Montgomery for theme song for Blank Check. Quado, do you have something to say? I, di- I didn't get to. I have a great factoid. Oh, this is JD Quatar. Quat- I'm okay, say your, no, no, say no. your fucking Just factoid. let him have the factoid. I got a factoid that's good here. JG. One of my favorite. Don't look at your weird future watch. My weird future watch. It's two hours, 15 minutes we've got. <laughs> Damn. Just yeah. Play it at double speed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a factoid. Here's the thing that I love. I, I'm J.D. Amato, and I love movies. J.D. Aquata. Here's the thing that I love about movies. When they use props from one movie in another movie. Yes. These suits for this movie were reused in Hollywood forever. Okay? Indeed. Um, I've heard that before, yeah. There is an entire Power Rangers series, which is Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. He's reading off the notes right now. That uses the exact costumes of the Starship Troopers as their main Just sort painted, of like soldier right? things. Yeah. Then Firefly, one of the things, uses repainted versions of these exact costumes. The 2001 Planet of the Apes uses these costumes. The Starship Troopers props are used forever and ever and ever. They're still around somewhere being used in movies for something. I love movies. I love when props are reused. Also, you're giving me uh, Ernest, Scared Stupid. Those are that's a reuse of the clowns from Clowns from Outer Space. Hell's yeah! Look it up. Okay, more slime and should we wrap it up or yes. do you want to? Oh no! Uh, that, oh. Tune in next week for the oh. episode on Hollow uh, Man. Yeah, with a special guest, Alex Ross Perry. Yes, uh, and as always. Well, thank the guest, Wado. Don't it, be rude. David never got around to saying that he this is his favorite Verhoeven movie. You, no, you queued it up in the beginning. You're like, I'll talk about that later. You never did. No, no, we're going to talk about that next week. I mean, the rankings. We're, we'll uh, do our uh, rankings wow. next week. Okay. But it is my favorite Verhoeven movie. Okay, Wado, you this want... This is my least favorite podcast. No, I'm kidding. This I love is it. the best one. This is the number one best one. <laughs> I'll see you guys on the subreddit. Yes. Uh, Are you in there? I go. I go and lurk. Drop your username. Do you have a? Yeah, my username's JD Amato. Oh, Oh. okay. It's gonna be hard to spot. He's a real eagle-eyed listener. Yeah, we can go talk about the tech stuff. We'll talk about the film stock. We'll talk about all that in the subreddit. Okay. Uh, Wado, take us out. Uh, And as always, uh, this is going to sound like a joke right now, but I actually feel really sick. I think I need to go puke. (laughs) Go. I'm J.D. Amato, and I love movies. (laughs) I had a dream last night where my sister was making me play a board game where ghosts were summoned, and they had to answer trivia, and you had to 
bet on which ghost you thought would have the answer. But were there real ghosts? They were real ghosts, okay. but you had to be sort of nice because they came with, they had a lot of baggage. And then there was a, a lot of waves that always happens in my dreams. I don't know why I decided to bring that up right now. <laughs> but I just Go. remembered okay. that. Ready? Shut up, JD. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, wow. right. I need Jeez. to talk about something once oh we get going. Okay. David's been a little sassy today. <laughs> that, that chicken Caesar sandwich, I'm feeling all cocky. It's got some spice in them today. Yeah, I know. Okay. Hey, shut up, David. Yeah, enough with the sandwich. Shut up, Some David. Some of us haven't had lunch yet. Yeah, David, today. shut up. Well, you should have had lunch. In the first 20 seconds of being a guest on this podcast, I was told to shut up. Yeah. Jesus Christ, David. You've been here for an hour, JT. Let's yeah, we'll get into that first. <laughs> Blame David in the sandwich. Wow. I was going to get here on time, and David said, leave me a little buffer so I can eat this sandwich. No, yeah, David, that, David broke down how late you are normally. Never. Okay, ready? Yeah. Ready. <laughs>